Welcome in, one and all, to episode two of the Travis Dufour Show. Episode two being Travis Goes Pro. My name is Travis Dufour. Now introducing my co-host, Mike Yatsko. Yeah, give me some beer, daddy. Remember, guys, you can follow us at, <laughs> and on any social media platform at the Dufour brand. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. We are there. Look us up. Give us a follow today. Also, twitch.tv slash the Dufour brand is where you can watch the show every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. And with that being said, go ahead and take it away, Mike. Yeah, man. So let's dive into part one of the story of professional wrestler Travis Dufour, a multi-time heavyweight champion and tag team champion. Now, it was October 21st, 2006, when you actually had your debut pro wrestling match. But before we get into all of that, the last episode, we left off with your backyard wrestling days, you know, doing all that hardcore stuff with your friends. You had dreams of doing the training and going pro, but you got sent off to military school for a, a quick detour. So chat me up, man. Any interesting stories from that time? Yeah, to be taken away from my friends. Uh, I had just found a backyard wrestling league that owned a, a pro wrestling ring. So I'm having like my first training sessions and what have you. And then I just get ripped away, sent away to military school. And this is a life lesson. A lot of people can learn. That's a photo take, from you in military school right there. Check it out. That's young what? Travis do four. That's right. Take one good look at that face. I do not look happy. I am not happy to be in military school. You don't look <laughs> amused. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Being sent there. Uh, you know, against my will. But do like, you remember said, this photo though? Do you remember the, them taking this and like, what? What were you thinking? Why were you looking so uh, uh, torn? You looked like, like you were traumatized there. Almost. I mean, we were all in a line to get our pictures done, and right before my picture was taken, I was just talking in the line. Drill sergeant got in my face and was like, "You know, you better shut your mouth," because you know, yeah, well, that would make do this it. as easy as possible on you. Exactly. Well, that would do it. Yeah, not a happy camper, but the story that I'd really like to tell today from the military school, uh, I'm only going to tell one story and then we'll hop into the pro wrestling stories. About halfway through my time at this military school, it was a five month program. About halfway through, there was a kid who was in the bathroom. He was slamming a trash can against the wall and he was just yelling shit like, I hate this place. I want to go home so bad. And I, I heard him going off in the bathroom and there was a strict no violence policy. If you got into a fight at this military school, they are sending you home. So knowing that I approached this kid in the bathroom and pro wrestling guru, Travis Dufour, I asked him if he was a fan of pro wrestling. And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He was like, I'm not trying to have like a gen, like a general conversation right now. I was like, no, 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 I'm getting to something. I was like, how about this? Me and you, we will just pretend to fight and we will both get sent home. Oh man, here we go. And so he liked that idea. So Mike, for the next hour, I teach this guy how to throw a punch in pro wrestling. A fake punch. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're holding, you're holding back. Basically. I tell him, hit me right on my neck with your fingertips. Make sure that you really swing, swing your arm, you know, but all fingertips right on my neck. It's not going to hurt. And it's going to look beautiful. That's exactly what he did then. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Uh, so in military school, you're in a formation, you're um, in lines and whatnot all the time. And we wanted to make sure that we were in front of each other in the, in this formation. So I said, boom, that's the first step. Let's get face to face with each other out there. Next step. Just, I told him, uh, I'll throw the first punch because I know mine's going to look beautiful. <laughs> of course. Of course. I, I got to go first. And then, you know. We'll just grab a hold of each other, maybe go to the ground. Somebody's going to break it up quick. Boom, we're going home. It comes time to do it. It is right after lunch. We are in the perfect formation. He is actually ahead of me. And he looks back and goes, I'm turning around in 10 seconds. And I was like, okay, that's oddly specific. But okay. He got to count himself down, hype himself up for the moment. And then he did. He starts out loud going 10, what 9, the is this guy stupid? Brother, whenever he got to about six, I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to do this anymore. I started getting like abort, feet. abort, Maybe five, four, three. And I'm like, damn, I really don't want to do this Two, one. He turns around and brother, I throw a picture. Perfect. Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. Beautiful punch. To him. I wish we had a clip of that. It was beautiful. They still talk about it to this day, but he takes that punch, rears back, and with everything he has, he punches me right square in the center of my face with everything he has. Wow. And that hurt then? Knocked me out. Oh, Knocked me out damn. cold. Apparently, apparently, I tripped on my own feet and I fell. Uh, my head oh, snapped off the concrete. He was <laughs> playing for keeps. Dude, and that wasn't it. Like, once I fell onto the ground, uh, from what I'm told, he grabbed me by the collar of the shirt and, like, got four more really good punches in on my face. Was that part of the script? Come. No. Dude, what's going on here? He's going into business for himself. I think that he was a very troubled teen. He heard this guy think of a stupid plan, and he's like, I'm going to knock this kid out. What happened to the worked punch? I'm kind of glad he didn't uh, He didn't do it. It, it probably would have looked like shit in comparison to my punch. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually he actually gets you on the ground and 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 you're out then or or at least dazed yeah, they, and confused. They end up breaking it up. Uh and we are now about a half hour later. We're sitting in this office and I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get home. Because uh, you think you're gonna be kicked out, right? That's yeah, the expectation. Like, Brother, one way ticket to a kick out. Here we go. And the drill surgeon comes in and he says, Good one, guys. And wow. I'm speechless. He saw through the bullshit. Yeah. I was like, well, what the fuck does he know that I don't know? And he said, yeah, there was um, somebody else in the formation. I later on found out who it was. It was a girl who didn't like me. Uh, he said that she heard us going over the plans. And Well, first off, who goes over the plan around other people? Like you do that in secret usually. Well, she heard the countdown. I, I went gotcha. over the plan with him in the men's, uh, I mean, in the boys uh, locker room. But she heard the countdown. Hmm. This bitch. So she 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 tells on you, tattletales. She does, and we end up just getting disciplinary action. I ended up having to stay at the military school, which ended up you didn't get kicked out. It ended up working out. I got my GED, and I got a couple other academic awards hmm. while I was there. That's good. So you don't uh, regret your time there too much in the end. Not at all. It really got me into some kind of shape. I mean, before I went to military school, I had never been in a gym, <laughs> never played sports. So 
it was, you know, running a mile every day, push-ups, you name it. It really got me into some decent shape. Yeah. So, okay, you get out of military school and you still have dreams of being a pro wrestler. And I imagine you want to start getting into some training and and, and take that seriously. So tell me about that transition and, and getting into that. The thing that really put it over to me uh, right after I got out of military school, a couple of my buddies hit me up and they were like, there's a really big independent wrestling show that's coming to Baltimore, Maryland. And they're advertising like Christopher Daniels versus AJ Styles oh, in wow. the main event for the X division title. AJ Styles at the time is the X division champion. We actually have a picture of you and Christopher Daniels right here who looks uh, very shocked and surprised to be in this photo. And to be quite frank, you look just as surprised as he is in this photo. So what's going just on like, here? Kind of, yeah. Kind of a story behind that picture after the event, you know, we're in downtown Baltimore. It's 12 o'clock at night and me and my buddies are hanging out outside of the building and we see both Christopher Daniels and AJ styles walking to a car. And, you know, we're 17, 18 years old at the time, me and my friends, what do we have to lose? We approached Christopher Daniels. Now, AJ Styles, he saw us coming. He runs to the car, hops in, locks the doors and keeps the window cracked. He's like yelling, Daniels, get in the car already. <laughs> so uh, you managed to snap that photo with him. And uh, was he cool afterwards? Like, uh, or, or how was he? He was great. He oh, took really? he uh whenever I was taking that picture with him, you can see in the picture that my mouth is like kind of open. And whenever I uh I'm putting my arm around him as I'm taking the picture and I'm saying, please don't punch me. I just want a picture. No, well, that's cool that he let you take it, even though, like I said, here it is again. He was uh quite quite surprised by it. So this this event in particular is this kind of inspired you to get the ball rolling on the training. Yeah, yeah, I just want to put over Maryland Championship Wrestling for a moment. If they're still around to this day and they still put out high quality shows. And in 2006, they, uh, I guess, had closed before 2006 and this was their return show. So they oh, wanted wow. to make it like extra big, brought in Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles. But brother, after seeing such a high quality production, seeing AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels in 2006 oh, they're yeah. in their primes and AJ would become a future WWE champion i mean that's crazy probably a future yeah. he's probably a hall of famer honestly in WWE as well it was yeah. the best independent wrestling show i've ever been to and after wow. that it was on man yeah so it we actually so uh the, when did you start getting into the actual train like where did you start um like you had this idea you wanted to start going pro who did you contact to start that process like where did you go well the easy decision um would be to go to the nwl hopwf the national wrestling league house of pain wrestling federation that they have a, a school well they have a school. yeah yeah you think that's a little long do you oh, it's a bit long yeah it's a bit long yeah, the, the NWL HOPWF. I went to a lot of their shows as a kid. Uh, they had a training school, and I backyarded with guys who were being trained at House of Pain. So I feel like I had a, a good bit of knowledge about the House of Pain. But the only reason why I didn't go to the House of Pain is because even as a fan, uh, I would hear really bad stories coming out of the house of pain, like people legitimately getting beat up 
people like there was a couple guys who was calling it the place where dreams go to die. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I had walked up to a pro wrestler by the name of Supreme Lee great at one of their road shows. And I said, you know, you're one of the best wrestlers I've, I've ever seen. And, and this guy went on to work on the movie, the wrestler. He helped train uh, Mickey Rourke. Um, oh, SLG cool. is, it, he's one of those unsung guys out there who's, who's done a lot, but never made it big. Yeah. And I saw him whenever I was a kid and I asked him, I was like, when are you going to be like down here next? I thought your match was great. And he said, I'm never fucking coming back to this place again. This guy has never paid me. So I'm never coming back. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was that straightforward with me. I mean, that's good. I mean, you know, some people beat around the bush. So, I mean, I'd rather that being, you know, someone being straightforward. Like way to co way to protect the business. Yeah. Yeah. This place is the shits. So I'm never coming back. <laughs> Whoa. Damn. You know, just the stories like that. I heard too much bad stuff. So yeah. with, with that being said, whenever I got out of the backyards and everything, there was two guys in the backyard with me who also had similar dreams. And we wanted to like the brotherhood in backyard take that brotherhood and turn it pro let's do it together yeah, absolutely and these guys uh, one's name is josh he ended up doing more in wrestling he wrestled as josh brinkman and as uh, his other name is slipping me but i know he wrestled as josh brinkman and the other gentleman's name was jeremy he uh did not make it through the training he ended up joining the army and had a, oh, wow. a okay. career in the military well, I mean, that's good too. But Josh is the one who hits me up. He uh, says he's living in Kaiser, West Virginia at the time. And that is the home base of championship pro wrestling. And he sends me a text message and it says, Hey man, there's actually a wrestling school in Kaiser. <laughs> I'm going to check it out this weekend and I'll let you know more. He goes and checks it out. And he's like, yeah, there's like a flat rate that they'll take from me uh you know josh jeremy and me as a package deal we were going into this training school they expected just one payment for all three of us interesting and what what's that i said intro that was just interesting it's just like yeah i never really did they give you it. like a discount to do that is that what it was basically or what i guess with three guys coming in at the same time yeah but what i'm what i figured out is that there was no school <laughs> there was no physical place where the school was so where training. was it then so where would yep. they do it just training before the shows man oh wherever the shows were okay we hit kaiser west virginia moorfield romney all these really small populated towns in west virginia they would draw pretty well there and how and often so were the shows come again how often did they do a show? Was it like once a month or? Yeah, once a month. Sometimes in the summer, twice, maybe even three times a month. Cool. But we make all the connections and boom, I am now starting to train at Championship Pro Wrestling and they are giving each one of us something to do. They let Jeremy be a referee. Uh, they looked at Josh. And now at this time, Josh is in incredible shape now, but he was close to 400 pounds whenever he was going into this training deal with us and he couldn't really pass as a referee being that big 
and they didn't want to make him the ring announcer or anything like that. So they didn't have him do anything. And no, <laughs> just, just sit down. You're benched. I'm sure they sat down and thought about it, but they were like, we have fucking nothing for this kid. Yep. You got to be camera ready. You got to look good to be on TV. But well, they took one look at me and they said, this guy, this guy could probably ring announce. Let's, let's let him try that. And I loved it. They let me ring announce and I loved ring announcing. That's cool. And we actually have a clip of you doing that, right? Yeah. In this clip, uh, I am the ring announcer for the event. And the bad guy, Richie Stevens, wants me to re-pronounce his name or say it again or whatever. But this is just something cool for the show. Here's a clip from back in 2006. All right. Let's take a look. Well, uh, Travis Dufour getting the participants right. Uh, what was with that? <laughs> Finally getting it right, basically? Like, so... Uh... He was upset that you had uh, messed up or something before. I that? didn't. I didn't mess up. The bad guy, Richie Stevens, he's just an asshole. And he wanted to you know, say my name again, you know? Yeah. So uh, we actually have another clip then. And it just shows this is these are your early days, man. So before I even get into that, I what are you thinking? Like you're doing this. So you have the, these opportunities. You're You're in the ring. You're doing this announcing. And that's got to be somewhat exciting, but also kind of nerve wracking at the same time, right? Because it's so new and you don't want to mess up. So tell me, like, what was going through your head at the time? I'm an absolutely obsessed wrestling fan who is now 18 and taking the dive. I am all in. I'm so excited. Anytime they teach me something, hip toss, arm drag, anything, I am just on another level hyped. Um, there's There was a couple times where they believed that I had like attitude issues. I, I have what they call Mike, a, a learning disability, <laughs> but so, also all kids have attitude issues. You know, we all go through that as we grow up and mature like that. Just part of the, part of the game. Yeah. They just had to tell me stuff more than once. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, it happens, but so this, this next clip, actually we have a promoter and I guess he's also a trainer. Um, Shane shadows. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So you're actually interviewing him here. Yeah, this is the owner of Championship Pro Wrestling. He started CPW in 1997. This is the owner-promoter, Shane Shadows, and the clip is from CPW Showdown. I am getting a word from Shane Shadows. Tonight, Renegade Richie Stevens, Shane Shadows, and Zubov go into a six-man tag action with the Highwaymen and Renegade Richie Stevens. You know, Renegade Richie Stevens, I know you've been bitching and complaining about is it a walk down memory lane looking at some of these clips, just seeing that young baby face? A walk down memory lane is an understatement. And it's funny about that clip. Shortly after that, you know, he cuts this long promo. Uh, the guy, Richie Stevens, from the previous clip ends up showing up out of nowhere and attacks Shane Shadows in, in front of this high school. I mean, they're off of a main road and they're like brawling and stuff. And somebody actually pulls over on the side of the road. They start honking their horn. And they're like, hey, guys, this used to be a nice neighborhood before you guys started doing that pro wrestling shit around here. <laughs> you worked and they thought it was real. Yeah. Yeah. They were about to call the cops. Um, I remember that being the highlight of the day. I was like, no, man, it's just wrestling. It's just wrestling. <laughs> like yeah. 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 No. And uh, the guy that Shane Shadows, uh, 
he wasn't even giving the guy anything. Whenever the guy was like, hey, this used to be a nice neighborhood, Shane Shadows looked over and was like, go fuck yourself. Get in your car. Get going. You know, back in my day, this used to be a nice town. Brother, he was the baby face, just to remind you. (laughs) Oh, the Shane Shadows was. Get in your car and get the fuck out of here. That's what he told the guy. Some baby face. Jeez. He wasn't really working the gimmick then. So we do have one more clip. Uh, the commentator, Brian Johnson, he, in my opinion, has something th- that we're probably going to dive into that I mentioned during commentary. There's a whole clip here. Uh, there, the, the heel jackpot, Jimmy Jessup gets in my face, gets a little bit of heat on me. You'll see in the clip and we will talk a little bit further about the clip after we show it. Go ahead and show it, Mike. Yeah. So this is you ring announcing. Intruder a few minutes ago, but this this is this guy's smaller than the masked intruder. As uh, maybe Jackpot Jimmy Jessup is explaining this to our ring announcer Travis before, and then again maybe he isn't. As uh, Travis suggests that uh, Jimmy Jessup try uh, a tic tac. Travis has no place to be making that type of commentary. I mean, the guy weighs, what, 80 pounds? So does this guy have something against you or something? It seems like he's, uh, see, like how, I'm, how I understand the business just from looking at like people, you know, on podcasts and stuff talking about it. It seems like the commentators are supposed to be focused on the two wrestlers in the ring, not on what the announcer's doing or what the referee's doing. So it seemed like he had like something personal with you maybe and was just calling you out for no reason. What's with that? I'm a commentator now. Currently in professional wrestling, Travis Dufour is a commentator for the World Domination Wrestling Alliance. And like you said, you know, that is my main goal as a commentator is to put over the action. Uh, Now, one thing I do, I'll make a comment about the managers or I think I've even brought up the ring announcer before. Um, Our ring announcer is Luke. I'll say stuff like, oh, Luke looks real good tonight. I'm not saying stuff that's going to. But you're not burying Luke. Yeah, I'm not going to attack the guy, you know. It it was, you know, he said, Travis Dufour, what is he, about 80 pounds? Yeah. Brother, I saw a post on Twitter uh, over the summer. It was from Alex Shelley former TNA star Alex Shelley. And he was talking about body dysmorphia about, and he was asking other independent wrestlers, if you have ever experienced body dysmorphia and, you know, and that's whenever you kind of like battle with your body, you, you don't like the image of it. And brother, as small as I have been, do you think that I look in the mirror and I don't know that I'm I'm a small guy? You know, now you're calling me 80 pounds on commentary and whatnot. Well, it'd be and, like you know, if somebody called me it. fat. Like I look in the mirror and I know too. So brother, you have to have thick, thick skin to be able to do this. And I get that. But I wish that people, you know, wouldn't take the cheap heat route. I don't know. Not on the yeah. ring announcer. I mean, there was no need for that comment. It would just seem more like bullying than anything else. And this is supposed to be a place where you know you're getting your start, but I guess that was kind of the the way things were then. No, yeah. In 2022, whenever you go to a wrestling school, it is open arms. Let's show you the way. Let's take it slow if you need to. Let's pick it up if we gotta. It's back in 2006. Whenever I got in the wrestling business, steroids were still a thing in the business. 
It was still a body business. It was still the Randy Orton was taking a shit in people's bags at this time. Like there was a <laughs> good old Randy. Culture. Yeah, for sure. Uh, JBL was doing stuff. Didn't they lock Miz out of the, it's unrelated, but they locked Miz out of the locker room or something. Stole his gym bag or something. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but, but I, one thing I want to make very clear here is that this is not sour grapes for me. I love how I broke into the wrestling business. It taught me so much about myself. Yeah. And so you're, you're obviously doing this. You're getting your, your feet wet with the ring announcing and, and doing all this in the ring. And obviously you're, you're, you're doing some training along at this, you know, at the same time before these shows. Right. So who was, uh, who was doing that training and, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. On the website, they advertised Shane shadows was the trainer. I, well, the guy I was, that was in the clip. Yeah. The guy we just saw. Yeah. Um, I never really uh, got in the ring with him, though. Uh, the main people that spent time with us while I was in training. Now, mind you, to give you a timeline of how long I trained, I trained about six months. That's about six, maybe seven shows I trained before I took. I started getting my first matches. <laughs> so, and it was guys like Jake Davis, Leslie Leatherman, Bill Bain, Deuce Donatelli. I will give them full credit for teaching me the basics. I never learned psychology in while I was training. So this was just about the moves, basically. Let's learn how to bump. Let's learn how to put on a proper hammer lock, like a realistic looking arm ringer. You know, you name it. That's what the training was. And did you feel like uh, you were ready after just six, seven shows, whatever, doing that training? You were ready for that first match? Not at all. Not in any sense of the word. Um, but I also felt like I was kind of getting pushed out as well because there was just so many stories about, um, I don't know how like people didn't like my attitude. People felt like they couldn't really like work with me at this time. <laughs> yeah. And actually in the notes here, we have a story that happened in Riverbend, uh, West Virginia with, a uh, with Shane shadows. Actually, do you want to go into that? Yeah. Perfect timing for that. Riverbend, West Virginia was a uh, was one of the venues that CPW would run. And this was an outdoor venue. It was at like a redneck yacht club. So there's a lot of just West Virginia trash riding around on mopeds and golf carts, brother. Sounds like a good time to you, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But long story short, this ring is set up outside uh, for okay. the the people who go to this river bend park. And so we are training before the show and we're training in front of people. Regular fans are walking around, not even fans, just regular people walking around and we are in clear view at this time during the training session, we are doing uh, clothesline drills. Just have somebody whip you off the ropes. You come back, take a clothesline, get back in line. There's a couple of us doing this. Okay. So, it now comes my turn to take a clothesline and I take the clothesline and I get right back up. Just, you didn't, you didn't sell it basically. Boom. He hits me. I get right back up. I get back in line. Now Shane but shadows is off to the side. He's got a clipboard. He's kind of going through stuff. He needs to check for the show. He's the promoter. This is his show. He looks up from the clipboard. Just a moment. Looks at the ring. Sees me get clothesline, get right back up, get in line. 
Shane Shadows is old school. He says, fuck that. He throws the uh, clipboard to somebody. He says, hold on a minute. I'll be right back. Gets in the ring. Says, Travis, come over here. I just I just want to do what you guys are doing. I want to throw you a clothesline. I was oh, like, shit. oh, here we go. I was like, brother, Shane never gets in the ring with me. So you were kind of excited at this point. Hell like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get to train with Shane finally. Show me something, brother. Like he's this, he's been the marquee guy at CPW. He's he gets to do all the cool storylines. He's cut great promos. I've seen him, you know, do good work. So hell yeah, give me a clothesline. Whips me off. I come back. Shane Shadows proceeds to take my fucking head off. Oh wow. So he's Puts trying to hurt everything, you. Drops me on my head. He's trying to teach you a lesson, it seems. Uh, a- after he gives me a clothesline, I'm laying on the ground, just like, what the hell just happened? I got the air knocked out of me the whole nine yards. I'm not loopy. He kneels down, puts his hand on my chest, and says, you'll sell that, won't you? Oh. Oh, shit. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. So, but was that part of the drill, though, to sell it, or were you just supposed to be taking bumps? Like, I'm not, I'm confused. Was that part of it, or? He, to Shane's credit, he did pull me to the side afterwards and said, you know, there's a lot of people walking around. You need to sell anytime that you're in that damn ring and there's people walking around, you sell. Yeah. Because people walking by, they see you just get clothesline. They're like, oh, it must not even hurt. You just got right back up. No problem. So I told you the shit was phony. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, he taught you a little lesson and, uh, did you, were you upset with him for that, for that lesson or did you not, at, not at all? Okay. That's one of those stories that I think the wrestling business should have kept. I think that it's, I don't know. I just learned my lesson, man. I, and that was important. And ever since then, I, uh, I practice how I play, you know, makes sense. Yeah. So at some point you actually leave wrestling school, right? I do. It was shortly after this Riverbend appearance. Um, I, my the two guys that I signed up for training with, Jeremy and Josh, they hit me up and they were like, Travis, we're very sorry, but we can't afford to keep going. And I didn't have any money. And truth be told, on the record, I never paid, I never put any money towards any of the training sessions. Jeremy and Josh were. Okay. So I really appreciate them letting me tag along for the journey. And so uh they go their separate ways. Uh, did they continue in wrestling or, or what happened with them? Uh, Josh would go to college and then years later, pick it back up. Jeremy, like I said, never did. Uh, but now that I've, you know, kind of left the wrestling school, I hit up Shane. I sent an email to the other people who were in charge of CPW. And I said, listen, I won't be back. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And in that same breath, I see that there's a promotion coming to Kingwood, West Virginia, which is where I went to military school. And it is being uh, ran by some money mark, but it's being booked by Shane Shadows, the guy I was trained by. And this event was on October 21st, 2006, just to get some timeline perspective. Yeah. And so I send an email to Shane Shadows and I'm like, hey, brother, I actually went to military school right up in Kingwood. And I could probably sell you some tickets, you know, and I'd love to have my first match, you know. Oh, so you still haven't had your first official match just yet. You never had a match yet. Cool. And he said, at first he said, no, he didn't like the idea. He didn't think I was ready. 
But once I, I kind of really oversold the fact that I was like, I'm really going to be selling tickets, brother. You're going to miss out on a good bit of tickets. <laughs> so, yeah, you were really, you know, I'll, you know, scratch your back. You scratch mine type of deal. Yeah. So he thinks it's a smart business move. He goes ahead and books me. Did you sell any tickets, the, by the way? I sold zero tickets. Oh, shit. So you, you did not follow through on your end of the bargain. I didn't even hit up the military school. I didn't try to con. I didn't try to sell these tickets. Right, I you turned, just, you turned heel for your first match, brother. I was just so excited. I wanted to have my first match, on, and I wanted it to at least since I knew at this point that it wasn't going to be with CPW. I wasn't going to have my first match where I trained. This was the next best thing because at least my trainer was the booker for this show, and he could maybe book me smart and protect me. Yeah. And so who was your first match against? And this was also in Kingwood, West Virginia, right? So, yep. Yeah. So here we go. It is the day of the show. I get there and they tell me that my opponent is Rob hostile. You know, Rob, I know him. Is this someone you had heard of at the time or is this your first time hearing of the guy? No, I actually met Rob while I was training at CPW. He also was a, a he was a trainee there before I got there. So he was kind of the guy who showed me the ropes when I first got there. And now my first match is against somebody who I'm familiar with. And how'd that match go? Terrible. Absolutely what, terrible. And what, what went <laughs> this, wrong? This is actually a great story because it will paint a paint an interesting light for you. Let me just jump into it. So I get there and I'm told that I'm wrestling Rob hostile so far. So good. I don't have any bad vibes. Now we're in the ring before the show. The agent for my match is Bill Bain, which at this time, uh, Bill Bain has been one of the main trainers that I've had at CPW. He's shown me how to throw punches. We went through chops. We've done a couple things. So I'm comfortable with Bill. Bill's going to be the agent for the match. And we are in the ring. And this was the time that it really solidified to me that these guys did not fucking like me <laughs> um bill looks at rob and goes well you're gonna throw chops in the match right and rob goes oh of course we gotta have chops in the match bill goes okay great so at this part of the match we'll do chops bill backs me into the corner and then gives me like match quality three chops <laughs> so i'm like okay and then he points it, Rob, Rob, come over here. Now you, Rob gives me three chops like he would in a match. Okay. I'm like, okay, I'm no bitch. You know, I'll take it. Six chops. No problem. A couple minutes later, we're still going over the match. We come back to that part. Bill looks at Rob goes, oh, remember, this is the part where the chops are. Backs me into the corner. Bill Bain gives me three wrestling match style chops doesn't hold Jeez, back. They're all taking their turns. Yeah. Then goes, now your turn. Rob comes up three match quality chops. Jeez. At this point, my chest is it's probably stinging on fire. It, it's bruised to shit at this. And we point. actually got a photo of that. Take a look at this. This is after that. Look Jeez. at those finger marks. Jesus. I mean, so they were trying, were they trying to make a point like uh make a statement here? Is that what was going on? I think that this was the brutal. test. I think that this was absolutely the test. A lot of guys were getting weeded out around this time. And if they wanted to weed out Travis Dufour, this was their opportunity. 
Yeah. So uh, another lesson, basically. It seems like there's a lot of lessons in the wrestling business. Brother, uh, so at this point, I've taken close to 20 chops before the match even happens. That's all. And the the uh, the booker, Shane Shadows, approaches me and says, he sees that I'm in my wrestling gear now, which my wrestling gear for my first ever show was going to be these uh, basketball shorts, um, which weren't like, they were like old school basketball shorts, like from the 70s, the high rising ones. Yeah. You got a good picture in your head? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I got these short shorts on and um, a uh, black tank top. And that's my gear. And Shane Shadow sees it and says, oh, you look like a basketball player. That's going to be your gimmick tonight. You're going to be a basketball player. That's going to be your gimmick. Jesus. I mean, I understand we're in a high school gym and all that. And so there are basketballs available. So he goes and grabs one and says, uh, you know, go ahead and practice, you know, dribbling the ball. Did you ever play basketball in your youth? Was that a thing that you did or? I did. And I fucking hated every second of it. I just hate basketball. You weren't very good Sports, at it? Sports, anything. Oh, just weren't very good at it or just didn't enjoy it? No passion about it at all. Yeah, it makes sense. I wanted to stay home and play with my wrestling figures. So but your first gimmick is a basketball player. That's what he wants me to do. And now uh, we're about five minutes before I'm going through the curtain. And I make one of the biggest mistakes in my career at this point. And something I still regret. I take the basketball shorts off. I throw back on my jeans that I wore to the show. Wow. And I keep on the black tank top and brother, I'm coming out in some ripped up jeans and uh, a t-shirt. So what possessed you to do that? I don't know. Ego, I guess. Were you just kind of rebelling against the whole basketball gimmick idea? Is that what I just, at that time, I don't think it's stupid now, but I totally thought it was the dumbest thing I had ever heard. And I thought he was trying to like, I don't know that first day Bush yeah. league shit that indie wrestlers do like, Oh, I'm better than this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I mean, there's been all kinds of gimmicks from male cheerleaders to, to really pirates. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff out there. So brother, I could have dribbled the fucking ball to the ring. So after this Shane shadows, once I go through that curtain and I'm not dribbling a goddamn basketball, Shane Shadows is like, I don't, you know, thank God that this this guy can't afford training anymore because I'm done with him. Wow. <laughs> All right. So you pissed them off and, and you're officially you're done with them for for you're done with them completely at this point. Well, now I'm in the ring. Here comes Rob Hostile for the actual match. I mean, brother, my. Oh, yeah. We haven't even got to the match yet. I forgot. They did all these chop chops before the match. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So the match, my, here's the match. <laughs> my chest is so like deeply bruised that I remember like anytime I bumped whenever I was on my back, I had a hell of a time just raising myself. And so that's a factor. Um, At one point in the match, the match went fine, but at one point in the match, a Rob hostile, like tackles me to the ground, gets on top of me ground and pound style and just lands the most horrific elbow straight to my tooth. Chips my front tooth, Mike. Oh, wow. They tried their best. Yeah, so they were, yeah, they wanted you to not come back, basically. That's Yeah. I think that they fucking walked off to the side, probably, and was like, Tyson tonight, <laughs> we're going to put this fucking kid in his place. 
But yeah, that, and was, that was acceptable then, apparently. It absolutely, I saw it all the time. <laughs> Which it basically amounts to hazing. Yeah, the hazing aspect of of the wrestling business is pretty much gone. Yeah, well, that's good. That's a positive thing. Okay, so you um you you leave this wrestling school. You're you're done with CPW. Uh, wh- what's next? Well, what's next is I got to start getting bookings, brother. At this point, I'm thinking I've had my first match. Now I need my second. And I only have a handful of friends in the wrestling business at this point. One of them happens to be this guy that goes by the name of Ray Velasco, which we will hear his name throughout this episode. He was wrestling for a promotion in my hometown. And it was a promotion that was formerly known as apartment pro wrestling. So it was a backyard league, Mike backyard wrestling again, but the guys who owned it were getting older. They were established guys in their twenties. They put all their money together, ended up buying a wrestling ring, changed the name from apartment pro to all premier. So they could keep their initials. And I asked if I could, be a part of their next event. And they said, just show up. We'll see if we can find something for you. And on November 18th, 2006, about a month after my first match, I got my second match I ever had, Mike. Apartment Pro Wrestling is quite an interesting name. And they would legitimately wrestle in each other's apartments. Oh, wow. I mean, I used to do that as a kid. Wrestle, we'd wrestle in a room, set up some fake, you know, some not fake ropes. We'd set up some ropes and pretend we had a ring use the mattresses the bed or use the well i want to know who the fucking landlord was for this for this apartment pro wrestling because i saw a lot of the old videos and i mean these dudes used to put each other through those ceilings and stuff oh wow (laughs) yeah that's crazy yeah they must have known the landlord or something i don't know or i'm glad i met them after they stopped doing the backyard shit all right so you have your first match for them you said it's november 18th in 2006 uh tell me about this yeah my first match uh for them is one-on-one against this guy named Frank Lindstrow, who Frank Lindstrow was a backyard wrestler just like me, grew up in the town next to me, backyarded with me growing up. So it was really cool. My first time outside of the place I trained at, my first match is with a guy I know. And he looks at me and says, brother, you're going to have to do something a little extra to get over with this crowd. And I was like, what the fuck Mm. does that mean? (laughs) Here we go. And he said... After the match, because he's going to go over, after the match, I don't want to just do a beat down on you after the match. I want to hit you in the head with a steel chair. Now, were you being paid for this booking? Hell no. So this was free, and you were going to take a shot to the head. Of course, it was way different then, you know, with people just, it was, it was just a common thing, taking chair shots to the head. Yeah, ch- chair shots were totally in, so we're, <laughs> we're trying to fit in one here. And I had such a, I was so like headstrong about everything for this chair shot. I was like, well, I'm not going to take it like a bitch. I'm going to take it with my hands down. I'm going to take that straight on the dome. Damn. And that was a bad idea. Unprotected too. That was before people were putting their hands up and, and protecting themselves. Right. Exactly. And I should have thrown my hands up because I mean, brother, the match happens. He wins. He goes and grabs that steel chair. I get up all woozy and turn around and he knocks me out com- cold with this steel chair shot. People had to carry my body back to, uh, to the locker room for real, not storyline, like actually had to, because you could not do it yourself. 
I remember feeling the impact, but nothing after. Damn, that's terrible. So you had this, it was a, a death match, right? Yeah. Well, not this match. Uh, no. This same company, you know, I want to continue working for them. And they were like, our next show is a death match tournament. Is that something that you'd be interested in? And are they asking you this as you're like knocked out and barely, barely responsive? <laughs> like, no, when this did, is... oh, when did you come to, by the way? Did you, did you come? You know, yeah, I was or... in the locker room. I, yeah. um, very, very fuzzy memories from that night. I, I remember ultimately being okay, but yeah, Jeez. it knocked me out. Okay. But the yeah. same promotion, their next event is called the Ornament of Death Tournament. Oh, oh how nice. Yeah. And they, I asked them, I'm like, is there any openings in it? Because I'd like to still work here. I want to still wrestle. I have no other contacts. And they let me do the first round against a guy named Mason Young. Yeah. So this was on November 18th, 2006 that you had this match. Yeah. I definitely shouldn't have done it. <laughs> I mean, it's a death match. Yeah, so you're you're wrestling the you're wrestling a death match, not because you're excited about a death match. You just because if you didn't, you wouldn't be wrestling at all, and that wasn't an option for you at the time. Exactly. I just want to fucking wrestle. So with that being in mind, I'm talking to Mason Young, and I'm like, listen, let's be the only death match that uses no weapons. <laughs> that's that's smart. What was and his? He was uh... like, sure, okay. So we we planned out a match and everything. Once we get out there. We go through about the first couple minutes of what we had planned, but then he gets out of the ring, goes and grabs this box with uh, light bulbs that are taped on each side of the box, throws it in the ring, and I'm like, "This son of a bitch, dude!" And that's uh, that's not the plan. That's not the plan you guys had. It's not. He uh, as he was entering the ring, though, he was kind of a savvy worker. He was like, "Throw this at me." And uh, as he was getting into the ring, I picked up the box and, and wung it at him. So to his credit, he let me hit him with weapons. Uh, but he, he never hit me with any weapons. Now, he did oh. give me a rock bottom after glass had been broken. So I could have gotten sliced up, but I didn't. Well, that's good. You got. I mean, that is kind of cool, though, that he didn't just you know take it upon himself just to start like going to town on you with a, a weapon of some sort when you kind of set it up in advance that you were not trying to do that oh this is a best case scenario death match in my opinion oh yeah oh yeah because i've seen some death matches and they're, they're pretty brutal they can be didn't david arquette almost die in one he did and that's a shoot brother okay so was this your uh did you have any more matches in in this promotion all premier wrestling? yeah i i kept working for uh all premier wrestling, nothing real notable. Uh, the next big thing that happens for me is uh, on March 24th in 2007. So we're talking the very next year championship pro wrestling is back in the story. Shane shadow sends me a message and add, and tells me there's a couple guys that we need for like an angle. It's like a public workout angle with the champion. The champion at the time is Leslie Leatherman. And he offered me a spot in this, which totally surprised me. Now, were you guys keeping in touch during this time? Or was this just like a message out of the blue? Not at all. I had not heard from this man. He had not heard from me since uh, my debut match. Yeah. Okay. So what, uh, what happened next? 
So it's set. I agreed to it because he gives me an opportunity to work with a guy who I used to watch when I was a kid. I actually had a Leslie Leatherman t-shirt growing up. So I was a big fan of Leslie Leatherman and I got to work with the champ and he didn't take any liberties on me. Um, I even told him, I told him one of the things that I really do well is uh, you can hoist me over your head. Like um, I can't remember the name of it, like a gorilla press. Okay. And toss me over the top rope. It's a sick bump. And it's something that I take well. I've never hurt myself on it. So if you'd like uh, listeners at home at this time, my wrestling name is Trey Blaylock. If you look up Trey Blaylock versus Leslie Leatherman, that match is on YouTube. And if you don't mind, if we take a quick detour, Trey Blaylock, how did you come up with that? You know, where did that come about? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we never really got into that. So Trey Blaylock was my name in the backyard. I got the name Trey because I just thought it was a decent shortened to Travis. <laughs> so did anyone did anyone in your personal life call you Trey instead of Travis or that was just your no, own doing? Okay, that was so my that was own just... doing. <laughs> and I knew uh, one of my best friend's girlfriends in middle school. Her last name was Blaylock. And I really like that, I guess. <laughs> it is a cool name. Yeah, Trey Blaylock. Yep. In full, I went by Trey the Dynasty Blaylock. Trey the Dynasty. The Dynasty. Like, think about that. What does the word Dynasty mean? It's like a like legacy or something, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. How the fuck did that ever make sense for me? It's your, one of your first few matches, and you're the Dynasty. Trey, well, <laughs> the Dynasty. <laughs> 19 years old, no no facial hair. He's the dynasty. All right. So uh, tell me about the CPW brawl, though, and uh, in this workout angle that you were doing. Sure. So CPW brawl at the hall was the name of the event, March 24th, 2007. And uh, brother, it was a tense environment. Whenever I got there, there was a lot of people who were very surprised to see me because I'm pretty sure whenever I left, Word went around the locker room that I wasn't coming back, and there was a sigh of relief. Now, is Rob Hostile still here? He is not. He's actually out of the business by this time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the guy that started training at the school before me is gone at this point. There's already people leaving the business. <laughs> but um, I did very well for Leslie. I let him hit that spot where he hoist me over top and dumps me on the outside that looked like he killed me but i was not invited back uh they did thank me for you know putting over leslie and doing a good job with the angle but i was not invited back do you know why or just just didn't hear back from them it it was a full roster they had a really good roster at the time so i really think that at my experience level as well that there really wasn't a spot for me Yeah, so there's no expectations of a future with CPW. So what's your next move? Well, at this time, I'm very, uh, I'm really down on myself about pro wrestling. I'm like, I've really thought I'd be wrestling a lot more at this time. And at the same time, it's presented to me to be a part of a ring crew. There's a guy by the name of Nicholas Tide. And I had seen him wrestle for the House of Pain a lot growing up and apparently he has a ring crew and it has spots open for it. The uh, deal is if you're on Nicholas tides ring crew, you can go to all of the shows that his ring is booked on. You are not guaranteed a match, but 
Tide will go to the promoter and say, listen, I have this guy, this guy, and this guy. If there's something, if there's a battle royal, great. If there's nothing, that's okay too. So I knew I was never guaranteed anything, but I agreed to be a part of the ring crew. All right. So the ring crew thing was kind of like you paying your dues and, and along the way, then you, they would throw you some bones essentially. Yeah. Yep. And at this time as well, before the shows, whenever the ring would get set up, I'm not just setting up the ring going and hanging out somewhere, brother. I'm in that ring before every show training, finding somebody who knows something about wrestling, asking them to get in the ring with me. I was doing that shit constantly. Yeah. So uh, the, the first show that you were at was March 31st, 2007, right? Yeah, Nicholas Tide, he told me that on March 31st, 2007, that a brand new promotion was having their first event. Uh, the promotion was called Undisputed Championship Wrestling, UCW. And the promoter went ahead and put me on the card after Nicholas Tide said that I was coming. And uh, if you're watching on twitch.tv slash the do4brand, you will see... On the back of this DVD cover, it says Guido Corleone versus Trey Blaylock. Was I there for that event or was I there at a different event? You were at the next event. All right. I got you. But yeah, I showed up there and it was, oh man, I was so excited because once I got there, multiple guys were coming up to me like, hey, my name's this. What's your name? And whenever I tell them my name was Trey Blaylock, they're like, oh, you're wrestling Guido Corleone. And the guy, this guy, Guido Corleone, I guess he's been wrestling since the 90s. He's done extra stuff for WWF. He's like this grizzled veteran of the Pittsburgh area. Uh, and now, mind you, this show is being ran in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, which is about a half hour outside of Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of Pittsburgh people here. Yeah. And this and Guido also- Corleone guy, he is having his first match uh, back after having... Um, a back injury that put him on the shelf for something like five, six, seven years. So his first match back is against me. Now this uh, photo right here, is this you actually walking to the ring for this match? Yes, that is my way to the ring for my match versus Guido Corleone. Now you look like you think you're a pretty big deal walking to the ring. You got the two finger point, you're pointing at yourself. You got the towel. What's with the towel, by the way? Oh, it's just, I think I had a, there was a towel hanging around. I don't know. I didn't really have too much of an inspiration whenever it came to my entrance. What's really cool about this though. Um, as you can see, I'm wearing khaki pants, like a dress shirt. It looks like I should be in like Sunday school. Uh, underneath those clothes is my wrestling gear. I, the match went to start with Guido Corleone, you know, me and Guido were in the ring and I yell, stop, wait, stop. I need to get prepared for this match. <laughs> and I have the referee take my shirt off. And then underneath, I've got the Under Armour shirt. So this is part I, of your gimmick then? Yeah, I'm trying to get a little bit of heat. I'm trying something here. And it totally works. I mean, I'm having the referee like help me with my belt buckle to get my pants off. Is anybody in the crowd booing at this point? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Guido Corleone, he's doing a really good job of selling and acting like he's getting impatient and everything. And off, yeah. This was the first match in my wrestling career that it went good from beginning to end. Nothing really got messed up, and I went home that night really thinking, like, damn, I finally had a good match. Yeah, so you're feeling pretty good about yourself then, at this point. Yeah, and I got invited. Returning the corner 
at the promoter for this show was also a worker. He uh, put me into his like stable after all this. So I started, I thought I was going to have a home at UCW. So what was the stable called? Oh God. I know his tag team was called bad company. Actually, maybe it was called bad company. Yeah. It might've just been called bad company. Yeah. So we actually have a clip of bad company and this is you uh, cutting a promo. On who? On, I happen to be at this show. So, yeah, you invited me out. It was our first time meeting. Was it our first and only time meeting? Or did we meet a couple times? No, that was our only time that we met in person. Wow. Yeah, only time in person. But, uh, yeah, you invited me down. And uh, real quick, before the match, before the show, you actually let me get in the ring, and I got to feel what it was like to stand in a ring, which I thought was cool because I was a you know big wrestling fan too. and still am. And uh, got to bump around a little bit, which hurt. I hit my head a few several. I hit my head every time. Every single time I hit my head and I had a headache afterwards, but no, it was just it was, was fun. Whenever you're, so you're getting into the ring and all that. Um, were you intimidated by the ring? I just was so, I think I was so excited about it. I was intimidated to bump. Uh, Cause I, I was just, I remember standing cause you did the thing where like you were on all fours and I was going to fall back and like, you know, to help me bump. But I remember being terrified that one, I was going to crush you. And two, that I was going to fall and hit my head. The the first thing didn't happen. I didn't crush you, but the second thing did, and I hit my head uh, each time. But it was really I, nice to see that though, because I've seen a lot of I've seen that happen to other people. And I just want to let everybody know for anyone who thinks wrestling's fake or that the wrestling that ring hurts. I mean, yeah. it was yeah. There's a little thin pad or whatever, but yeah, it's not very forgiving. So, and I only took like four bumps, and that was it. But that was quite enough for me. Uh, so hey, my man. my wrestling career began and end ended that same day. But, Did um, you feel like you kind of lived a dream, though? Oh, yeah. There was a part of me that just felt like, okay, obviously, I'm never going to do this for a career, but that was damn cool. Like that, as a wrestling fan, just getting that experience and doing that. And I did what I thought was a heel move. I thought, because I would, I would always see William Regal while, like wipe his feet off at the other side of the ring. And I just thought it was a heel move. But you said, you know, in our last episode, that's a sign of respect. So, um, I just wanted to, you know, be because I always thought the bad guys were cool. So I was just, well, I thought I was doing a heel move, wiping my feet off at the side that got in the ring. And I don't know. I just felt cool. But, uh, oh, man. I'm really anyway, glad that you were able to experience that. Yeah. Longest intro for this clip ever. But we have this clip, Bad Company. You know, you, so I'm here at this event and, um, I'm calling you out. And, oh, man, my part is so cringe, but you do a phenomenal job and just show how, like, you were destined for this. Like, you were, you were, you're natural heel, natural on the mic. And uh, any time that I lost the crowd, which was every time I spoke, you know, you picked it right back up. So let's take a look at this clip. I suggest you all shut up or all three of us are going to leave right now. Shut up. We're going to leave. I can't, I can't understand it. I don't understand inbred. Oh, there's somebody famous in the crowd. What is it? Yeah. Oh, there he is. I got you. What are you doing here? Stand up. Get in his face. I want to know one thing. You're not welcome here. Nobody around here likes you. You get tired of hits you. What do you want? I'm here because I love getting in town. See, I'm glad you guys didn't respond to that because you didn't tell sucks and I think you all know it. You can tell it's not 
suck. And to prove that, I want everyone in the arena to check underneath their seats right now. And if you have an empty seat next to you, check next to that. Like, for real, what are you doing? You're not giving them free stuff, are you? You better not. You better not be trying to upstage me in bad company. It's not gonna happen. Okay, for, okay. You know what? I'm gonna say it to you one more time. Mike Toxic is not welcome here. Leave. I run the show. Get out of here. Say goodbye to Mike Toxic. Get out of here. Leave. Oh, I'm serious. This team can't hold my job set, and that's right. I have a job set. And that's right. I have a jockstrap. <laughs> Brother, whenever they started uh, saying, what what was the chant? Fight, 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 fight. Brother, you, know, you should have decked me. Oh, yeah. I just didn't. I was so nervous and scared. Like that. Obviously, you could just hear it in my voice. I had no confidence in anything I was saying. And looking back, like the, the angle I should have taken was I should have pretended to be a local. Like, oh, I love you. Maybe if I was saying I love Uniontown because I've lived here all my life, you know, can't make fun of my town. I don't know. I could have said something way better than the crap I said. But um, it's I was funny just young you and say, dumb. It, it's really funny that you say that because after getting that clip together for the show, I was kind of thinking about like how I do it now. And I totally, I don't know if you came now, if we never did that, I would like be like, hey, here's Mike Toxic from and then plug the radio station and like do something nice. Do but something. Inst yeah. Instead, we're like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, you know what I would love to do? I would love to do something where you like you hit me. Like I, you know, we're just in the ring, and then I say something, you slap me or hit me, and then I fall down or something. I don't know. That would that would have. Well, cool. if you ever get to sit in on a wrestling show again, where I'm actually wrestling, uh, we'll get you one of those signs, and I can tear it out of your hands and rip it up and throw it there, in your face. And there shit. you go. And then I'll slap you in the face. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Dude, full on <laughs> fan versus wrestler brawl. <laughs> it just turns into a street fight out of nowhere. Um, but the one thing is that I want to say about that clip is I was like, oh, everybody look under your seats. And I only, I only brought five DVDs for, for the whole thing. And I had taped them pretty well, a little too well under the chairs. So when people looked, they didn't find shit. I don't think one person found the DVDs that I put under there. And there was even a few seats that were empty that happened to be the ones with the DVDs. So it was just a, a mess. But dude, the, th the thing I take away from that clip is just, the confidence that you exude, like you were a natural heel and that's what saves the clip for me, you know? So it's just, it's always fun to look back on that. I really, you had the crowd. That. I mean, and I just want to mention, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I was in the wrestling business less than a year and cut that promo. Yeah. That's crazy because when you were doing the announcing, it didn't look like you had that confidence at all. Like you look scared, you know, not saying to anything to, you know, but you, you look like a deer in the headlights type of look like you were scared, nervous, your first time, you know, announcing and all that stuff. Whereas here you're just, you're owning it. You know, you're a part of this, you know, faction, bad company and just almost like a whole different Trey Blaylock. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, and one of the next pertinent dates on our, on our cheat sheet here is uh, the old Covey pro date. What, what's that date there, Mike? Uh, it looks like April 21st, 2007 is when you debuted for Covey pro. Yeah, I ended up, so I was finding places to work and this promotion, uh, Covey Pro, 
Wrestling, uh, based out of Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. They, Side note: I did their website for a long time, for years actually. I would I managed their website. You did, and he paid you yeah. pretty good. Yeah, to do yeah, that. he did. He was a he was actually for years my best paying client. No joke. I have nothing but the utmost respect for Cody Covey, and eventually, you know, we moved on. But no, I and I totally did. remember that because I remember you telling me how much he was paying you to do that website, and then I remember going to the website, seeing how shit it looked, and then looking what? at the price that you said that you, you he was paying you. you and I was son of a how bitch. How did you get him to agree you to that? Son of a bitch. Bro, it was like almost $100, wasn't it? Oh, to, to, sometimes it was more than that. I mean, I don't remember the exact amounts, but there was times where like a website update costed 500 And I think I charged him. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't even guess, but it was hundreds, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, and, and and as a kid who was just starting off in uh, the design, you know, web design, because that's what I do now is app design, web design. That that was a, a lot, you know, it was a lot of money and it was great, great money to be making. No, so, hey man, somebody. So you got me. You actually get... got me into that. I think, yeah, I because I wouldn't have heard about Cubby Pro without you. So you hooked me up with that. You're welcome. Well, let's get back on track. You're debuting for them. It's April twenty first, two thousand seven. Let's get back to it. Yeah, Cody Covey has agreed to book Trey Blaylock, but it's under special circumstances. He does not want to use Trey Blaylock. He thinks that Trey Blaylock is the shits. Doesn't have a name. Doesn't want to use him. He wants to repackage Trey Blaylock into the beer chugging redneck, the gear jammer, Jake Break. What the fuck? Jake Break. A yeehaw Chucky boy gimmick. Are you? And did you have to act a certain way on the mic when you were Jake Break? Brother, they never. Let the gear jammer Jake break near Mike. <laughs> he never got to cut a promo. No. Damn. So I... wait, this is after you cut that really cool heel promo. Obviously prove that you have some chops in the mic. And then now you're back to back to this. Yeah. Yeah. Cody. I mean, hey, man, at this time, uh, the ego is starting to settle. I'm ready to try new things. He presents me the gear jammer Jake break gimmick. And he is telling me about about this gimmick in a bar. He's shit-faced drunk, and he's just laughing his ass off the ear time. He's like, come out and just fucking start yelling yee-haw and shit. It'll be so funny. And I'm like, bro, you know, like, I I kind of want to take this business serious, but if you think this is going to be this hilarious <laughs> thing. And so you were all for it because, you know, like you said before, you were gung-ho. You just wanted to wrestle, and if, if they were willing to book you, you were going to go with it. Yeah, at this time, it's all about the grind, and it's it's all about just getting bookings. I did that gimmick one night. It did not get over, if you could imagine that. I can't, I can't really imagine that. It sounds like a winner to me. Yeah, it was like a wet fart in church. It did not get over, and we are moving on to the next date. All right, so June 9th, 2007, you actually do some work with Primal Conflict Wrestling. That's right. This is another deal where it's a ring crew uh booking but this time i'm not a part of nicholas tide's ring crew i'm a part of a different man's ring crew now this man his name is spazman anthony oh, spazman one thing that's very notable about him now listen years before I met him. He was wrestling Jimmy Snooker, Jerry Lawler, anytime that like a big name came to the Hagerstown area spasman anthony more than likely wrestled him so spasman he's he's got some respect behind his name and as a fan i 
you know, had AOL America online. Oh, dude. AOL was so cool. That's a podcast for another day, but really cool. Yeah. And I found the NWL HOPWF on uh, this discussion message board. And I started doing some research and listen, guys, whenever the internet first started, I didn't treat it the most responsible. I found Spazman Anthony's uh, AOL member profile uh, page. And there was a picture of his daughter who was my age. And I said some unflattering things about uh, what I wanted to do oh, to his daughter. Online, on the internet, and the internet. I lives the <laughs> Never thinking I was ever going to run into Spaz Man. I, I don't, I, those oh. thoughts were never in my mind. I'm just making a comment and moving and on. And then here he is in Primal Conflict Wrestling. And by Whether, the way, you're you're not Jake Brake anymore. You're back to Trey Blaylock, and this is actually you around that time. Yes. And, uh, the, with the infamous TreyBlaylock.com that I managed as well. I don't know if I always managed it, but at least. Which was an actual registered domain. It, it was, was a real website, website too. Yeah. Had your like wrestling matches and your history on it. Bios, all the whole thing. I'm really glad that I did that because there's a way to search on the internet for uh, old websites that even if they're gone, uh, there's a system that takes screenshots and what have you of these websites. And TreyBlaylock.com is one of those websites. And I actually noticed in that photo, you looked a lot more confident than like the previous photos and clips we were showing. Like you're starting to clearly gain some confidence in the wrestling business. Yeah, I just I remember my uh, my little sister taking those pictures with uh, our digital camera and just praying to God that they looked half half decent. We never discussed it. I know you said that your dad and, and your mom supported the idea of you doing whatever you wanted to do. Uh, how did your sister? How was your sister with you? You know, getting into the wrestling business. What was her thoughts? I am nine years older than my sister, so she was you know a little kid for the beginning. Um, I remember her being very. Supportive though, her favorite wrestlers was Kane and Chris Jericho growing up, and I loved them both. But let's get back on old Spazman Anthony and his yeah, daughter. Spazman, he knows that somebody with the username Trey Blaylock has said something about his daughter on this website. Now, to kind of put it into perspective, this is June 9th, 2007. I made this comment. Maybe in 2002, 2003. So it's oh, so a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some time had passed. And I cannot stop thinking about it. I am driving. Well, I'm on my way to the show. And I know that the person who owns this ring is Spazman Anthony. And I'm praying oh, to awkward. God he does not remember the name Trey Blaylock. And I get out of the dreams car, come true. <laughs> well, I start walking through the parking lot and Spazman Anthony, there's a trailer with a bunch of pieces to a ring on the back of it. Somebody jumps out of the truck. It's Spazman Anthony. He locks eyes with me, and all he says in a stern voice, he goes, Trey fucking Blaylock. Oh, he remembered. Like, no. He remembered. I'm like, no. <laughs> he starts approaching me. The distance is closing, and he puts out his hand. And I'm shocked. I put my oh, hand to, sh out. to we shake your hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. And I said, I started saying, I'm so sorry. And he said, stop, stop. He's like, I don't give a shit, man. He's like, I'm here to have a good time tonight. Let's, you know, get this wow. ring set so up. He was and... really cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> but that's cool that you you came ready to apologize though. I mean, you you knew that it was. Uh, oh, I knew know. it was fucked. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was not a good situation. So you live and you learn, don't you, Mike? Dude, that worked out the best way possible. Then. Yeah, so I end up uh, bada bing, bada boom. I'm there, Spazman Anthony. He's got the ring. He's cool with me, and I'm now figuring out what I'm going to be doing on the show. On the show, there is a a memorial battle royal for a wrestler by the name of Leroy Tiny Miller. Uh, have you ever heard of Leroy Miller? I have not heard of him. Me neither. Uh, but <laughs> I was there, ready to possibly get booked on this show. And there was a memorial battle royal, and the promoter by the name of Tommy Hawk, he decides that it's an okay idea to let me at least in on the battle royal. <laughs> but that ended up being a mistake because he approaches me, and and also on this show is Joey Landis, who is a backyard wrestler from my backyard days. Yeah, He's trying to become pro, and he has. Went to the show with me just on the off chance that he might get a match, might not. But he, he, me and Joey Landis get put into this battle royal. So the promoter comes up to us and it's like, listen, we are in a brand new gymnasium. This is the first time this gymnasium has ever let pro wrestling in here. There are guardrails outside of the ring. Do not touch the guardrails. They will fuck the floor up. Oh, because, the, yeah, the gymnasium, the nice wood floors, yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful venue. And now we are in the Battle Royal, <laughs> me and Joey Landis. And there's a, a gentleman in the ring who's about seven feet tall, legitimately, uh, about 300 pounds. He's His name's Ox, and he's just this big redneck guy. And he takes one look at Joey Landis and me in the locker room, starts snickering, He's like, yeah, I want to eliminate both of you guys. And we were like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so it comes time for uh, this guy to eliminate Joey Landis. And uh, Joey Landis, uh, the spot is he's going to just clothesline Joey Landis over the top rope. Easy peasy. Yeah. He, it's now time to do it. Joey Landis is resting on the rope. Here comes Ox. And he gives Landis this light, like little clothesline. He's expecting Landis to backflip over the top rope on his own. Landis is thinking, this guy's going to crack me one and really get me over this top rope. So he's hoping he does most of the work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, he hits him. And Joey Landis does not go over the top rope. Not even close. Oh. So, so now awkward, Austin. probably, right? Looks super awkward. Well, Ox is kind of realizing, oh, I got to give this guy some oomph. And Joey Landis is thinking, oh, I have to like kind of start jumping before this guy hits me. <laughs> and with the combination of both of those ideas, here comes Ox. He fucking hits Landis with the clothesline. Landis goes flying. Backflips wow. over the top rope, lands on his feet on the outside. The momentum completely has Landis. He backpedals, slams into the guardrails. Oh, no. No. The, those floors. The screech noise it makes. I mean, I'm standing in the ring. I haven't been eliminated yet. I see Landis fucking take out this guardrail. And I'm like, well. So you knew. We're not coming back. <laughs> no. 
Was that the last time? That was um that was the only time I wrestled for Primal. Yeah. We actually have another photo from that uh time period. Trey Blaylock wishes you a painful Thanksgiving. Uh, for those of you watching on Twitch. And uh for those of you listening, it's also another great reason to watch live every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern because we always show photos and, and clips. Uh not always, but sometimes show photos and clips throughout the show. And uh, you can catch that live. Um, but yeah, so this uh you seem pretty cocky in this photo. Yeah, uh, and if you can't really tell, but that's an original CZW. Uh that that's an old school CZW t-shirt that I'm wearing too. Um, I stole it. Well, I didn't steal it on purpose. Somebody left it behind at a wrestling show, and I just took it. I gotcha. I gotcha. It's not stealing. No, 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 not at all. You just borrowed it for a time. So now uh, moving on to one of the biggest things to happen to me at this time. Yeah. Macho mania comes in my life. Yeah. You had your next match and this was actually again at UCW. You're back and uh, I'm there as well. Yeah. I came. Yeah. The match was filmed with your camera. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, oh, so the match, the footage that they used. Oh, sorry about that, bro. Sorry. It's from your camera. Thanks. Sorry about that, bro. (laughs) The fuck. So, uh, yeah, this is July 7, 2007, that this UCW event's happening in Uniontown, Pennsylvania again. And, uh, yeah, so this match with uh, with Jay Miller, you'll talk about it? Yeah, this really was exciting for me. July 7, 2007, I was very good friends with you at this point. This would be uh, the second time. Yeah, this is the second time you come So up. we did meet twice then. Yeah. Yeah. It's about a bing, bada boom. It's the second time you've come up and this guy, Jay Miller, that I'm wrestling, I've been doing a radio show with him. So I feel like I'm friends with Jay Miller. Um, You guys get to the venue and I'm meeting Jay Miller for the first time. The first thing that I'm noticing about Jay Miller is that he's drenched in sweat and smells like shit. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. I, I rode up in the car. I, I rode with him in the car uh, down to the event, so. I couldn't believe it. And like the first thing that we wanted to do in our match was have him put me in a headlock. I was like, bro, your armpit, like the shirt where your arms are is just fucking soaked. So like, not only is like, he has you in an arm, (laughs) in an arm lock, but uh, or headlock rather, but he's, uh, you know, you're smelling that, that stench the whole time as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the match happens and, the ending of the match is what gets me in trouble at the end of the match. What is planned is a lion salt. I want to beat him with the lion salt. Oh, this yeah. is a move that I have been practicing for years, but I've never actually landed it on somebody. So this is the first night I'll be able to land the lion salt on somebody. So you're Mike. busting this out. Yeah. All right. Pulling out all the stops. I'm feeling good. You know, I want to have a good match for UCW. So it comes time. I go for the first lion salt and I'm not really sure what the issue was. I just didn't make a full rotation on the, on the backflip for the lion salt. Wow. So I refresh my memory. What happened? How did you land again? Cause I don't remember actually. Well, it might've even been crooked. It's just that first lion salt that I hit. What it wasn't good. And I knew that. And here comes the biggest mistake a young wrestler can make. I have now botched this move. Yeah. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the thing that I, uh, you're supposed to do, I guess, is move on. Just continue. Do something else. 
Yeah, just yeah. keep going. Don't shine the fucking light on the issue. All right, so you're going back. It's round two. You're going for the moon salt again, or uh, the lion salt. Sorry, lion salt again. Boom! Here I go. I'm jumping on that middle rope. I'm back flipping, and I don't get the full rotation oh, again. Damn. <laughs> so at this point, you're done, right? No, my brother. <laughs> third time's the charm. Of course, of course. You have to land this thing. This is how the match is ending. At this point, no I'm way. so frustrated that I'm just like I'm hitting this damn lion salt. I go for it a third time. And this time, whenever I make the full rotation this time, but I don't land like stomach first on Jay Miller, my knee comes crashing into his face. Oh, damn. Did you hurt him? I don't remember if he was hurt or not. No, no, I didn't hurt him. And that wasn't even the finish. After I botched the third line salt, I grabbed him, pulled him into the middle of the ring, and put him in the figure four leg lock, and he tapped out. But that was supposed to be the finish, right? The the, 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 the line figure salt? four leg lock was. Oh, okay, the figure four. Okay. Well, how much sense does that make? Let me hit one line salt on on you, and then I mean, and I never worked his leg. I mean, brother, guys, any workers that listen to this show, the this match was the shits. <laughs> so. Because of me, because I filmed it, this made it to Botchmania. It wasn't your fault. Uh, we had a falling out with Jay Miller in real life. Yeah. Jay took that footage of the line salt and sent it to Botchmania. Oh, he's the one who did that. I didn't. I never even knew that. That's crazy. Yeah, that bastard sent it, and Jay, Botchmania was like, "This is gold." <laughs> Next episode, it was aired. How long did you spend thinking about the time that you? Attempted three moon salts or lion. I keep calling them moon salts, but lion salts are similar, I guess. But lion salts, like how how often did you think about this and did it bother you? No, I was pissed, pissed, and I went straight to you and I was like, bro, that's your footage. You own the copyright to that footage. I don't even know if that's a real thing, but that's what I was telling you at the time. Exactly. They didn't you, get permission for me to use it. No, dude, you sent an email to the Mafu who runs Botchamania, and he you threatened to sue him. Yeah, people take suing seriously. I had no money to sue, so I could have never actually done it. But at the time, and it worked. He took yeah. it down. But to really stick it to me, he re-uploaded the episode without the footage. But it was called, let's say it was Botchamania 40. I don't remember which number it was. It was one of the earliest episodes of Botchamania. I remember that. But um, it was like Botchamania 40 non-Trey Blaylock version. Oh, so they're just rubbing it in. So now my name's in the title. Hmm. Yeah, that's a bit childish. Yeah. So did I know that wrestlers talk to each other in the ring as they're they're in the in the middle of a match? So did Jay say anything as you were attempting these moonsaults? Or did you tell him I'm going for it again? Or did you guys have any dialogue? Like, <laughs> I think after the first botched lion salt, because I believe I was still landing on him. I think I was like knocking the wind out of him or something each time I like I was rattling him. He each was like time passed out by the third one. <laughs> <He was> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. but now people kind of look at being on Botchamania as kind of a somewhat not of an honor, but like, you know what I mean? It's like not as bad these days. It's uh, it's not looked at the same way, I don't think. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the same class as Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, you name it. Everybody's botched. Everybody, yeah. 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 I mean, Sid Vicious jumping off the top rope and shattering his leg and breaking it in two. That, I mean, everybody's done it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm just very glad that we got the botch mania section of this podcast out of the way. Yeah. Now the embarrassment's over and it can die forever. We never have to talk about it again. Right. Exactly. What's the next exciting thing to happen? Like, yeah. So, uh, June 24th, 2007, you're actually doing an event, uh, pro wrestling, uh, element zero two sixty. So is that zero two sixty the name of the show then? Name of the show. Yep. Yeah. So, and, uh, Chris Jericho is coming to Martinsburg. This is Chris Jericho's last appearance before and uh, going back to the WWE with the, I believe, what return was this? This was like the Matrixy countdown. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he was returning to, of course. Yeah. So that was this return. Um, it was. Yeah, he returned to the WWE five months after this event. And I actually feel kind of privileged because in this book if you're watching on twitch.tv slash the new four brand in this book his first book he wrote he has a little section about this show in it mike you're muted so you actually man my bad so you actually made it on uh, into his book not my name specifically but, but but whatever happened yeah i mean he says plain as day in the uh, book he says, I so at this point in my career, I did a independent wrestling show in Martinsburg, West Virginia, that was so poorly ran. None of the wrestlers were trained. Oh. Like all this stuff. Like he oh, he was shitting on it. Hard like, I, I decided right there and then that I did not belong uh, on these, you know, low, low level Bush League shit. And I had to get back to the WWE. Yeah. So he was trying his hand at independent wrestling and he didn't like what he saw. I, he he was just there for a signing. I remember him signing autographs at intermission. Before intermission, there was 700 people in the crowd, which at oh. this point was the biggest crowd. Pretty I big crowd for a show, independent show. I mean, 700 people for Chris Jericho. That's pretty good. There was other what? names booked too. There was uh, Daphne from WCW. Ring of Honor had sent Delirious there, so. So you uh, did you actually meet Jericho at this event, or did you get an autograph, or you didn't have any? Do you have any interactions with him? The very next day on MySpace, I see every single wrestler that was booked on the show. They got a picture with Jericho. I never met Chris Jericho that whole night. No, oh, that's terrible. Now, I whenever I was breaking in, my trainers really just nailed it in my head. If you're on the same show as a name that night. They're on the same level as you. You don't need to be marking out, taking pictures with them and stuff. And I really regret not taking really any pictures with any names my whole career because of that advice. Because I, the same guy who told me that advice, he posts pictures of himself with guys he's met oh, over the years. All so the time. one of those do as I say, not as I do situations. And also, I don't think that Chris Jericho would like to hear that any of you guys were on his level. <laughs> like, I don't think that he would feel the same way. Yeah, that's that's the deciding factor to go back to the WWE. But on this show, I was booked in a six-man tag match. It's myself with a tag team called Parental Advisory. Both of these guys were, they had good gear, but they were really out of shape. And they were from like a really rednecky part, like a real poor rednecky part of West Virginia. Which most of West Virginia is, you know, the shits. But these guys, they came straight out of the trailer park. They look like they look like shit. And I had to team with them. Oh, that's unfortunate. 
And our opponents that night was Ray Velasco, who would turn into my tag partner a little bit later. Uh, Prodigy, who passed away a couple years ago. Just a real quick sidebar on Prodigy. He was a really big, intimidating guy. And if I think that he was just a year or two away from making it big. Anybody who remembers Prodigy from the uh, tri-state area, you remember Prodigy. He was a very intimidating factor. And he always took care of me. He was always happy to see me. And I loved running into Prodigy. Please he, rest in, well, don't please, but rest in yeah. peace, Prodigy. Yeah. And the third person on that team was Eric C. Jones. Do you have any questions, Mike? Yeah, so Prodigy, that name rings a bell. Is that, uh, was he ever on a UCW show? He was. I think I met him. That's Former crazy. UCW champion. I didn't know that he died. That's I just learned that right now. That's crazy. Yeah, from my understanding, he was in a really bad motorcycle accident, and he didn't... It was a lot worse than what they thought it was. He ended up dying in the hospital. Damn, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember meeting him. I met a lot of the guys that you mentioned uh, throughout the show. But yeah, so back to what you were saying. Yeah, so the six-man tag went off without a hitch. One cool thing that happened uh, was the brother of the promoter, uh, Jared Lancaster, that was the promoter for this. He had a twin brother named Jason Lancaster, who was also a wrestler. And Jason saw that I was getting booked onto the show and he didn't want me to, you know, look, my, my wrestling gear wasn't that great at the time. So he pulled me to the side on the event before this event and said, here, take this. And he handed me a singlet that he used to use whenever he was smaller. He says, I think this will fit you. Um, so try it on. And the singlet that he gave me is the singlet that I still where to this day whenever i wrestle oh, wow so it, it obviously fit pretty well then yeah 15 years i got out of that damn singlet that's pretty good and those things must last a while yeah so i really appreciated that shout out to jason lancaster he was always very nice to me um but after the event was all said and done i did once again i'm getting heat uh because i did not help tear down oh you know, what's interesting about the tearing down is that the, I don't know if I did it for both shows, but I definitely did it at one. I helped tear down the ring. Uh, nobody asked me to. Obviously, I was just there kind of as a guest, you know, just doing stuff. So I wasn't like a expected to or anything, but I just, I saw people just start carrying stuff out. So I just started helping people carry planks of wood to the trailer. I just, I just felt like something to do. And you didn't even have the decency to do it. And you're, you're in the business. Nah, I said, fuck that. You're like Chris Jericho was on the show. You, and I'm on the same me. level as him. You want me to tear down this ring? <laughs> Brother, surely you have some other guys to do this. Get some trainees or something. One of the things that was uh, noted about this whole deal of, uh, you know, it wasn't just me. It was a couple other guys, but I like specifically got called out for it. Uh, there was a gentleman wrestling on that same show named Chance Prophet who um, wrestled a lot for the NWA. He's a former NWA, I think, United States champion. Uh, he was literally about to get signed to a major promotion back in the day before he broke his leg. Uh, he was there, though, and he was mentioned in these MySpace posts about, oh, the guys weren't helping. Whenever you got a guy like Chance Prophet helping tear down, you know that's bad. And these fucking guys who wouldn't help set a, a tear down shouldn't be allowed to come back. And brother... I wasn't allowed to come back. Dude, the heat just follows you wherever you went. 
I made a lot of mistakes uh, during this period of my career. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but uh, do you, are you like, and when you go to an event now, do you help tear down? Is that still something that you do or ex you're expected to do? Or how's that work? Yeah. Um, at the world domination wrestling Alliance where I, where I work at, um, you know, I'll help at the end. Uh, they have a lot of new guys though. Most of these places I've been told not to help. Uh, tear down and set up in we've also been years. doing this for a long time so yeah but you know if you go on facebook or twitter or anything like that they always share the picture of uh, luke gallows holding uh, ring ropes over his arm and he and they're like if luke gallows can help tear down <laughs> you can too brother yeah so you're you're not invited back you're done with them sean andrews uh, the owner asked you not to come back What's next for you? Uh, it's September. You went to you back to UCW. Back to UCW. Yeah. So they had an event September fifteenth, two thousand seven, and this is actually where you got your first concussion. Yes, and it's also my first title match. <laughs> oh, what title was it? The UCW Light Heavyweight Championship of the World of the World. Wow. <laughs> but the champion is Playboy Stevie Styles. It is a triple threat. Uh, this other guy, AC Storm, that name does not ring a bell at all. I actually barely remember this match because of the concussion. So here's how the concussion happened. I guess it, the match was elimination style. I eliminated this AC Storm guy. So now it's down to me and Playboy Stevie Styles, the current light heavyweight champion. Stevie Styles picks me up for a sidewalk slam. So that move, you've got the other person's body. You're holding them by the waist, and they're horizontal at this time. Yeah. Kane did it a lot. Yeah. And you just, once you're holding them, all you got to do is just sit on your ass, sidewalk slam. Uh, Playboy Stevie Styles hits the sidewalk slam, but he, I don't know how the fuck he did this. He... <laughs> landed me and then the back of his head of his head came crashing into the front of my face oh wow knocks me completely how does that out. even happen with a sidewalk slam i'm trying to visualize how that happens i wish i had some action figures to show you but um <laughs> so needless to say i'm knocked out cold he pins me the referee knows this is not the finish sidewalk slam one, two, I don't kick out. I'm knocked out completely. Ref stops oh, counting. Wow. Oh, you stopped. You didn't kick out. And he's they're actually in most promotions are encouraged not to stop counting, right? Now, yeah. <laughs> but this referee is like, Well, I don't want to piss these guys off. This isn't the finish. One, two, wow, kick out. I have not <laughs> moved a muscle. <laughs> You're just laying there practically dead, and supposedly you kicked out. And so Playboy Stevie Styles, dumbass. He doesn't realize that I'm knocked out. He picks me up dead weight. And uh, I'm trying to remember the, what the move is called. He's got me in the air with uh, my head tucked behind his arm. Oh, I think Seamus, Seamus does this move. I forget what yes. it's called. What is that? It's one of Seamus's moves where he, he's got you up over his shoulder. And then I know he, exactly he what you're talking about, but I forget. Head. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. He hits that move on me. I'm out cold. Referee's like, yes, that's the finish. There One, we go. Two, three. 
<laughs> Damn. So you're out cold. What happens next? Like, how do you, are you able to get up yourself? Does somebody have to help you up? Uh, the next thing I really remember is sitting in a chair with the doctor sitting in another chair face to face with me. He's talking to me. He's flashing stuff in my eyes. They actually had doctors at the shows. This is Pennsylvania. So legally to run a wrestling show, you have to have a doctor there. Wow. Okay. And he opens up this white powder, not the white powder (laughs) party time. He opens up this white powder and he gets this like little like cat scooper. And he's like, now this shit's going to taste really bad, but you, you got to take it to the head. Cause this is gonna like, this is concentrated Tylenol. Wow. So now I'm Chuck. I'm, He's dumping this powder down my mouth. I end up, uh, you know, and just a sidebar, I did not get my driver's license till I was 25 years old in real life. At this time, I'm like 19 years old. So I have a ride to and from the show. My ride at the time is this guy by the name of Mike Raddick. He takes me all the way back. Now, at the time, I live in a gated community. He takes me to the entrance of this gated community and I have no way inside by car. So I have to start walking at this point. And brother, that was, I probably had concussions before that, but the fact that I was like stumbling through this neighborhood, about a two mile walk back to where I was living at. Like you were really feeling it, feeling it for this one. I was so out of it. And at one point, I end up at this convenience store called rocks and he's dropped me off like an hour ago and I've just been walking in a daze. And now I'm like in this convenience store and I like start like kind of freaking out in my head. I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? Wow. But I ended up getting home safely. And that's one of the things, a message to the new wrestlers in the business if you think that you have a concussion, please go get it checked out. Cause I could have yeah. went to sleep that night and just and never woken up. Yeah. And that's actually what they think happened to Bob Saget as he fell and hit his head on something and never woke up once he went to sleep. Exactly. So, so at this time I am uh, not finding really any luck on the independent scene. I'm trying my best, but I'm just not finding that pot of gold. And so it is now time to make, uh, going off the chapter eight, Mike, it's, yeah. it's time. Well, to... I, I actually have one more question if you don't mind. Um, no, go ahead. So uh, regarding the concussion, how long did it take? Do you remember to like get over the effects of that? Were you like dazed for days? We talking weeks. Like what were you feeling for a while? Concussions are weird. I think it was like a one day thing and I felt back to normal, but I think that's why concussions are that much more scary because you can kind of add them up and yeah and sometimes it gets worse as you get more well it does get worse as you get more yeah i mean i think that i've had i think i've had tons of concussions um but the main thing that i kind of realize about myself now is i do have short-term memory loss that could be as a result of that i think so yeah at, at the very least it didn't help yeah and there's uh, i don't know my focus just isn't that sharp so i i and feel like, like i should probably to... donate my brain to science after all this shit <laughs> there you go so you felt like you used to be sharper is what you're trying to say and you 
might suspect a, a decline possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you uh and your childhood friend and fellow wrestler, Ray Velasco, you guys decide that you're gonna start a tag team and you call it coast to coast. And you're going to this promotion called House of Pain. So why don't you pick up from there and, and talk about that? Sure. Uh, we both weren't finding any bookings, Ray Velasco and myself, and we were still really good friends. I would see him all the time, talk to him all the time. So finally, we were like, okay, let's try a tag team. His gimmick at the time was that he was like this New Yorker type. Uh, called He called himself Brooklyn's Brilliance, Ray Velasco. And my gimmick at the time was that I was like some kind of model from Hollywood, California, very generic. Didn't you have like a Hulk Hogan boa or whatever they call those? Like, yeah, pink one or something. Put the boas on, wear sunglasses, no real depth to that character. But that's what Velasco saw me doing. And so he was like, yeah, let's call it coast to coast. You're from the West Coast. You're a model from the West Coast. And I'm a like a rapper, gangster kind of guy from the East Coast. And it's what happens when we're coast to coast. <laughs> now, something that's interesting about this promotion, the House of Pain uh, Wrestling Federation, this is an exclusive promotion. So you're not actually allowed to wrestle anywhere else, you know, as long as you continue wrestling for them. That's a pretty unique situation for an independent wrestling promotion. You know, so how did you learn about that? Were you cool with that? You know, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I knew that that was the case. Um, whenever I was a teenager going to the shows, I didn't like fully know that that was the case, but I kind of hear tidbits every now and then. But once I got into the business, I noticed that anybody who wrestled for the House of Pain didn't wrestle anywhere else and vice versa. If you were wrestling out in the indies, you never were, was at House of Pain because they wanted something special. They in-house trained their own guys. They wanted to have their own guys, pretty much. That's how John Rambo looked at the business. So me and Ray Velasco approached him about uh, joining the HOPWF. There was dues that we had to pay every month. Interesting. You had to pay dues. They weren't paying you. Yeah. Well, John, he needed to keep the building that the school was ran out of, and he had a house himself that he had to pay rent for. And Now, did you have to sign some official contract, or was this like a handshake deal? No, all handshake agreements. And but on October, have, what, we, what's that? Well, we actually have some photos here, if you want to talk about what uh, we're looking at here. Is this from oh, the yeah. first event you did with them? No, this isn't the first one, but this picture is notable because I uh, that's jackpot Jimmy Jessup. Oh, okay. From the video clip earlier, yeah. I had a one-on-one -on -one match with Jackpot Jimmy Jessup, and it was one it was a match where um it was another match where I walked away thinking, man, I think that was good, <laughs> which didn't really happen too much back then. Yeah, and uh, did he end up shaking you're trying to shake his hand, it seems like here. Do you end up shaking your hand? No, no, he, he didn't. He was actually the baby face in this. Go ahead and roll on over to the next one. So there, there you go. I'm turning on him. I'm putting the boots to him. Oh, damn. And we got one more. Brother, he punched me so hard in the head. Look at how. Oh, he wound up for that. Jeez. You're and your head's completely turned. And that was, so was that, did he hit you good then? No, no, okay. it was just it a just... perfect shot. And dude, bro brother being my size, the first thing I had to really learn in the wrestling business was selling. I mean, I put so much effort into my selling. And this next photo is a, a hip toss, correct? 
Yeah, picture-perfect hip toss. Jackpot Jimmy Jessup going over. And then and he's, I lost. Uh, he's pinning you. He's pinning you clean. Yeah, my win-loss record as the name Trey Blaylock was probably – I probably won 10 times my whole career. I probably lost uh, a 1,000. Wow. So October 23rd, 2007, um, you're wrestling for the NWL HOPWF. Can't believe I said that. That's such a mouthful. Uh, this is uh, a match for a title. It's a vacant title, actually, right? So you want to talk about this? Now, is this the first match that you're, you're having with them, or is this just a significant one? Yeah, No, this is the very first match. Me and Velasco got there. We had no clue how we would be re um, received and we were really well we were really scared more than anything because Velasco had actually started training there and things went really sour for him uh like he had a horrible reputation mm -hmm. um and now me and him are coming in so his reputation is kind of shining on mine so now they think I'm a piece of shit too <laughs> uh but to their credit First match there, they let us wrestle these two guys named Lawless and Tremor, and it was for the HOPWF tag titles. We ended up putting uh, them over for the belts. But make no mistake about it, after this first night that we were there, there was a target on both of our backs. Yeah, because of where you got trained? Yeah. We could have trained anywhere. We didn't train at House of Pain, though. And now we're coming in first night there. We're getting a tag title match. That so did the, did the, did the boys, as they say, uh, expect you to do some training there as well, even though you had trained somewhere else, was that the expectation or what was it? Yeah. There was a guy there named Corey Bush. He still wrestles to this day and, and he's one of my best friends now, but back then he saw me come through the doors and he shot me an email and was like, Hey man, it's great that you're at the house of pain now. But are you available on any Thursdays to come in for training? Brother, I felt, at the time, I felt like that was the biggest spit in my face. But technically, you're still pretty new to the business from everyone else's standpoint. Oh, my God. I'm so, hitting, I'm only been in the business one year worth a one-year anniversary. So you as a 30-something-year-old, do you look back on some of these decisions? You're like, what was I thinking? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and as, as far as this circumstance goes, I email Corey back and I'm like, first of all, I <laughs> am trained. <laughs> oh boy. You're laying the law like down. A, oh man. It was not a good email. And, um, did you get an email back? No, 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 I did not. I just saw him at the training sessions after that, but just one little story about the house of pain, as far as them, them trying to weed me out. There was uh, a night where I got booked on Covey Pro uh, that Friday night. And then the Saturday night, I was going to be at the House of Pain. But you're supposed uh, to be exclusive to House of Pain, right? I told John that I had already agreed to this Covey Pro date, and I wanted to at least do that date and no more after that. And he respected that about me. He was like, you know, it's cool that you agreed to do it and all that, and you're not going to back out of it. Go do it. Well, that night... I botch a lion salt at Covey Pro. You and those if lion you, salts. If you could imagine that. <laughs> um, and I end up uh, landing on the back of my head, uh, giving myself a concussion. Oh, another one. 
knocked myself out in that match. And I remember having like a lot of trouble that night. Well, the next day, um, we're at the house of pain and I get, what's that? No, I didn't say anything. No. Oh, I thought you said something. No, nope. uh, we're booked to wrestle these two guys. These two guys who have been there forever. They run the trainings. there. two bad dudes named Chris Klein and wild man, Robbie page. And they come up to me before the match to go over the match. And I want to make it a point to tell them, listen, I think I got a concussion last night. Just no major blows to the head. Yeah. I tell and did that. you, did you get that point across? I thought I did. We're in the middle of this match and Robbie and Klein. I mean, they're kicking me in the head. They're, they're dumping me on my head. They're giving me back body drops. They're giving, they're not giving me suplexes. They're giving me brain busters. I mean, I was so pissed off after this match and I never said shit to him. I just took it. Wow. So you, you, and this was a time when you were just expected to suck it up and just keep moving forward, you know, no time off type of thing. So, you know, you know, you had a concussion and you're going into this and, and going to wrestle, which nobody would advise today, you know. It's super fucked up because it's like, listen, hey, I'm giving my body to you. Watch my head. Yeah. And you're literally ex and, and when you're in the ring, you're trusting these guys with your life. Like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it. It's tough to think about. Uh, I am actually one of my best friends today is wild man, Robbie page. And me and him joke about that. Um, you know, he'll even tell you back in those days, that was a common thing. People were getting fucked up all the time in wrestling. Yeah. So this, you had a barbed wire match there as well. Was that before or after this concussion? This was after, uh, so on November 17th, 2007, there's a show at the Apollo Civic Theater in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Now, the Apollo Civic Theater holds a very special place to my heart. Uh, it was a major venue for wrestling. Uh, I saw Gangrel, Tony Atlas, all these guys at the Apollo Civic Theater. And now I'm wrestling for the NWL HOPWF, and they have an Apollo show, but I am not booked on it. But I'm still there. I help set up. And it's now it's before the show. And John Rambo is doing the pre-show meeting. So I'm standing there. I know I don't have anything. And John says, there's been a little, you know, something's going on. One of the guys can't make it tonight for the main event. So a spot just opened up in the main event, the barbed wire match. Wow. But it's a main event. Yeah. At the Apollo. And so are you excited or is, uh, do you heard barbed wire where you were a little freaked out? Well, at this point, nothing yet, but then he's like, well, I'd like to offer it to that spot to anybody. Uh, does anybody want that spot brother? I'm the only one who raises his hand because really? at, at this time, John Rambo is like a hardcore legend in the area. Oh, he's, had, he's known for some shit. Oh, he's had some blood baths. <laughs> nobody else wanted to be a part of that and there's another guy involved in the match named brent rage he's a pillhead so he's probably going to be fucked up in this match nobody wants to work with him and the third guy in the match is blackhawk who's another guy who started in like 1990 so he's been wrestling forever at this point 
which is a total honor. I love that Blackhawk is in this match, but I raise my hand and it gets really quiet and everybody just kind of slowly like looks at me like, are you fucking really volunteering to be in are this you shit? crazy dude? <laughs> and at this point it blows my mind. Cause I'm like, guys, this is a work. It's a main are event. Like, are they going to fuck me up in this barbed wire for real? No, we're going to make a match out of it. Is that what happened though? How'd the match go? Yeah, that is what happened. Um, I uh, was involved in all of, the match planning obviously uh did you bleed take some barbed wire to the head or anything no uh, it, it was just really cool to like be a part of the creative process from john rambo because john rambo he wrestled in portland oregon uh on tv for portland wrestling back in the late 80s early 90s whenever they were on tv he wrestled with like uh he was on same shows as like eddie guerrero and stuff like that at one yeah. point and you know and I, I had a lot of respect for john rambo at this time so i was kind of starstruck yeah, well, this match actually turned into a feud between you and John Rambo, right? It did. It ended up going really well. Uh, I know that you had a question about the actual match itself. Yeah. I yeah. was a total pussy about the whole thing. I never once touched the barbed wire. Oh, no, not even one time. So no, were... I, I threw John Rambo into it, I think, twice. And I think I got my hands on Brent Rage and threw him into the <laughs> barbed wire. But they never made me do it. How do you feel like you did in that match, you know, main event spot, uh, and also who won? Well, uh, at one point in the match, uh, John Rambo gigs, and he has now sliced his forehead uh, open for some extra dramatics to the match, and he tells me to uh, give him a punch to his forehead to kind of get the blood to go. That's an old-school thing. You just give a little snug punch to where the cut is, blood will start flowing. I don't know that though. And I throw this working punch to his forehead and it does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so at this pissed? point, he, no, I mean like, eh, I kind of connected. He was like, no, lay it in. And brother, I just went boom on his forehead and just blood. It was a crimson mask immediately. Wow. And he was like, all right, that's good. That's good. That's good. No more. Stop. No more. Stop. No more. <laughs> So uh, but, uh, yeah, I walked away from that match um, feeling really good about it. And it turned into John wanting to do a program with me and Velasco. Wow. So you did you take that as a an honor? Yeah, I kind of couldn't believe that I was like in this position, you know, used to pay for a ticket to go to these shows. And now I'm working with the promoter in the main event, like at the Apollo Civic Theater. It's honestly one of the highlights of my whole wrestling career. Yeah, but at some point, uh, John asks you to do something. Oh, God. Yeah, he does. So one of the things about the House of Pain is that there's a move called the House of Pain Wedgie. And it's John Rambo's finishing maneuver. Whenever he doesn't like really respect his opponent, he'll beat you with the House of Pain Wedgie. And he approaches me before one of the road show. This one was in uh, McConnellsville, Pennsylvania. And he says, uh, for the finish tonight, I want to give Blaylock the House of Pain wedgie. But what I want you to do is hop back in the car, go down the road to this Walmart, and get some pink frilly women's underwear. And so you were going to wear that as your, your wrestling attire or what? Or it was going to be underneath my tights. So underneath, whenever he okay. went to do the wedgie, it's like, oh, he's wearing fucking <laughs> pink, pink panties or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 
And this is another moment where my ego needed checked. Uh, I should have just done it, but we went to the Walmart. You know, we 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 at least got in the car and went. And we came back with nothing. I was like, John, I couldn't find it anywhere. I thought he was trying to like really like goof me or bury me. And that was our Is it last true match. you couldn't find uh, anything? No, I absolutely could have. But yeah, I'm sure they had that somewhere there. That was enough for me at this point in my career where I no longer wanted to work there. And it was yeah, a return last night. to the Indies after this. Yeah. And uh, we actually have photo eight here. Yeah, do you want to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, so you're returning to in, in, uh, Indies and your reputation is shot at this point and you're offered a match against Dirty Sanchez, a wrestler named Dirty Sanchez, who I've never heard before. That's the first time me reading that name. That's hilarious. Sorry, it is hilarious. And uh, are you scheduled to go over or, or what's going on with the story there? Why don't you pick it up? And well, I, I am scheduled to go over... Uh, I was I was going to talk about this this shoot interview real quick, um, but if we let me talk about this shoot interview real quick yeah, yeah. for you guys that are watching on twitch.tv slash uh, the do for brand plus I'll be able to clip this up too. the this DVD cover it never turned into an actual DVD you can see some of the chapters on here uh, paying your ring dues how to gain the perfect tan. You know, it was just stupid shit. I got really becoming bored and I made a, a dynasty, a, a fake uh, DVD cover one day. Is that what? That's what that is. Yeah, I missed this in the notes, but seeing this, uh, seeing this is pretty, pretty funny. Uh, and you made this yourself, I take it, this DVD cover. Yeah, and uh, the picture on the left there, where I'm shirtless, uh, and I have the guy's arm, that is the first match I ever wrestled without a shirt on. And was there a reason that um, you just a comfort thing for you? Oh, absolutely. A comfort thing. I mean, I was skinny as a rail. And uh, you had it. So you stopped wearing the singlet then and you changed the tights or. Or, or were you still wearing a singlet? Shorts, uh, you name it. Uh, but I was no longer covering my chest. I got you. Yeah. So becoming a dynasty, a must have Trey Blaylock shoot interview must have. Yeah, you must have this. Does this DVD still exist? It never existed. Oh, it never existed. Never did. <laughs> That's a shame. So my reputation is shot, like Mike says. Yeah. I'm now out of the house of pain. I want to still wrestle. So I get a hold of Nicholas Tide. He's the guy who had me on his ring crew. And I'm like, I'd like to get back to work with you. He's like, show up at this date. I return to the SWA summit wrestling association. And they have me pegged to wrestle dirty Sanchez. Now is this guy he's, he's known as a, what was his situation? I'd never had any run-ins with this guy before he wore a mask. Uh, he was kind of like, uh, I think he was a mix of like Puerto Rican and some kind of Asian. Um, but he would, he was a mask wrestler not really like a cruiserweight, but he could like really pick up the pace. And whenever we were planning the match, he wanted me to uh, do a leapfrog. Now, a leapfrog in pro wrestling is very common, but believe it or not, at this point in my wrestling career, I've never done a leapfrog. <laughs> oh, so you were nervous about it then? Very nervous. And whenever it comes time to do the leapfrog in the match. Now, real quick, they pegged me to go over in yeah. this match. So you're going to win and... In- 
for those listening who aren't privy to the business, you're going to win this match. Yes, I am super excited because I've already worked for the SWA a good bit before this, mainly battle royals, just trying to get my foot in the door. Now I've left the House of Pain. I'm back in the SWA and they're putting me over. Yeah. So it's a big deal. It's it's, it's exciting. I feel like I, maybe I am going to accomplish something. So bada bing, bada boom. Now we're in the match. It's Trey Blaylock versus Dirty Sanchez. And I botch. Uh, now I have to jump as he is ducking and going underneath me. I don't jump at all. He uh, just runs into me face to face. It's very awkward. It's obviously oh. a, a botch spot. And he just rears back and punches me in the face and I fall on my ass. <laughs> so did uh, this one didn't make it to botchmania though. I take it. No, there's no footage of this match, but after he punches me in the face, I'm like really disheveled. Cause he legit punches me in the face. It knocks he me on probably my was pissed, right? Yeah. He was yeah. really upset. And now I'm like, kind of like I'm selling it. So yeah. I'm on my hands and knees. And as I'm on my hands and knees, this dude just takes two steps forward and kicks me in the ribs as hard as he can and breaks my fucking ribs. Jeez. So like I can maybe understand the punch to an extent, like, you know, you get a receipt, I guess, as they call it right in the business, you know, for, for messing up or something. But then at that point you're on the ground, you're trusting him still with your body. Cause you're not looking up. You're just doing your job and selling it as a wrestler. And, and he takes basically your body into his own hands and tries to hurt you and does yeah. and it succeeds. Yep. And yeah, it's it pretty messed up. It was a really ugly situation. I mean, whenever he kicked me in the ribs, like it was obvious to the people who were in the crowd, because there was a girl who walked up to me afterwards. And the first thing she asked me, she was like, are you OK? Because whenever he kicked you in the ribs, like we've seen people get kicked in the ribs in wrestling before. It's never looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> so did what, what did he do after he kicks you in the ribs? What, how'd that how'd that go? He shoot pins me. He kicks me in the ribs. I'm hold. I, I like immediately. I feel this warm sensation happen o over my stomach, and I'm just like fucking. And I'm realizing I can't like breathe that well. And he shoot like pins me. Gets on top of me. Hooks the leg and puts his weight down on me. Referee counts three. Wow. So a match that you were supposed to win, you end up losing because he went. He basically went into business for himself. Yeah, yeah. Let me check the date on this. I have been wrestling not even two years, and I I have now been shot on, ribs broken, and shoot pinned. So what's going through your mind in this very moment? You're laying in the ring. Your ribs are broken. Uh, you or at least one of them. You don't know it, maybe, but you know you're in a lot of pain. And you were supposed to win this match. You were pretty excited about that. And now all of a sudden, you just lost this match. So what's going through your head? I go to the locker room, and I'm uh kind of looking for this guy dirty sanchez and the second that the match was over he went straight to the locker room grabbed his shit got in his car and left wow i never saw him after that but i made sure to um whenever i got home and went on myspace i did make a post and i was like listen guys my ribs are broken i'm gonna have to cancel anything that i have coming up until i'm like clear and shane shadows my original trainer from championship pro wrestling he sent me an email and was like that is fucked up i need to know what his real name is and all this stuff because he's not getting booked at cpw and i'm going to make sure he doesn't get booked at my other contacts i mean that's cool you got some people standing up for you 
totally caught me off guard. I was like, thank you, Shane. <laughs> so that guy, did I, did he wrestle much that you know of? Did you hear from him after that? And he I saw him last year for the world domination wrestling Alliance. I was a commentator there and he was there not as a wrestler, but just visiting some old friends. And he didn't even recognize me. Didn't even remember what he did. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't bring it up, but I was yeah, like, yeah. I shook his hand. I was like, Hey man. But <laughs> So after this, uh, some time passes and a new wrestling promotion pops up. Yes. A brand new wrestling promotion is going to pop up and the promoter and booker will be myself. Oh, it's your promotion. It's my company. What's this company called? It is called the Dynamic Wrestling Association. Uh, once again, like we've said multiple times throughout this episode, I was having trouble getting booked. Yeah. So I made my own company. Now, when you can, you, know, you got to do something. So that's, you end up starting this company. And did you have anybody that uh, was doing it with you or? Yeah. Uh, the, the money guy who, the guy who was putting up all of the money for it. Cause I didn't put a dime into this promotion, <laughs> but it was mine. Of course. <laughs> Uh, his name was uh, Matt Burns, who he was running a lot of the music shows in the area. And he wanted to get out of the music business and get into the wrestling business. And I was one of the only contacts he had. So we went uh, we went to town and started getting together the most professional looking event that we could. One thing that I knew I wanted to do was even if it was a one time thing, I wanted to at least have a wrestling star booked. So we booked ECW star Axel Rotten. Oh, nice. Yeah, which ended up being a total fucking mistake. Oh, <laughs> uh, why? Did he have problems with him? Absolutely. <laughs> well, so you, did you guys only, how many events did you run? This was uh, the only event we ran. Okay. And do you get a time frame? What year was this? 2008. 2008. Okay. Now, ECW star Axel Rodden, we have him pegged to be on the show. He um, tells us that another local guy uh, who goes by the name of Jimmy Dream, uh, who wrestled for the WWE as James Ellsworth. Uh, now, he, was he, had he been James Ellsworth at that point or not yet? He was Jimmy Dream all the way up until he did James Ellsworth for WWE. Okay. So this Jimmy Dream guy uh, calls me. And it's like, hey, man, I'm the one bringing Axel Rotten to the show. He's in a tag team with this other guy. I won't name that jackass's name either. Uh, but they're like, hey, we'd like to get booked onto the show. And I was like, I'd only like to have one tag match on the card. And that's my match. I'm in a tag team. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very sorry, but we don't have anything for you. And he actually like was like, well, I'm going to get booked on this show, whether you like it or not, because if Axel Rotten is booked, then I'm booked. What? And yeah, I was like, I please. Were they buddies or like, what was that? What was that about? Well, he was a shit stir for really anywhere he went. So now he's fucking with me. And uh, so now it comes time for the show. It's the day of the show. And we we're awaiting Axel Rotten. And I have had a very heated conversation with James Ellsworth at this point. And I was like, you're not fucking booked. Uh, thanks for bringing Axel, but you're don't bring your gear. Um, they shortly after Axel Rodden and Jimmy dream, uh, James Ellsworth gets there. I go into the locker room and James Ellsworth is putting on his gear. 
And I walk up to him and I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting on my gear because I'm wrestling tonight. Like, like, like I told you. What is it with this guy? This like, guy has some, this guy has a set of balls on him. He's a fucking asshole. So I was like, okay, let, we'll see about that. So I go to my money guy, Matt, and we'll I'm like, I was like, why the fuck is James Ellsworth putting on his, his gear? He's like, oh, I told him uh, he could be, uh, we could make a match where him and his tag partner take on Axel Rotten and the guy Axel was supposed to fight. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, so the match that's on the fucking flyer, Axel Rotten versus Doyle Day. is no longer happening. Instead, we'll have Axel and Doyle take on this fucking team I didn't want to book. So at some point, Axel and Doyle Day worked out their issues and decided to tag team. <laughs> like, They're all no sense whatsoever. Axel, James Ellsworth, Doyle Day, all these guys are, are Maryland guys, and they all know each other, and they all decided to, to, to do this. But I got the uh, – I mean, I don't know if I got the last laugh because um, after the event, we get an email from the venue – and they say they never want to work with us again after finding heroin needles in the bathroom. Oh, and who, who might have been doing that? Axel Rotten. And you know for a fact? Yeah, for a fact. Yeah, his drug use at this time was rampant. I mean, I had seen him completely pass out from a from a doing whatever he was Wait, doing. Wait, so he was even doing drugs before the match, or do you think he was doing them after? He was trying to be, I never saw him do it, but you know, that's you got crazy. a heroin addict on your show. Who did heroin? Yeah, really? That's, right. that's, that's crazy. So you lost the venue because of that. Couldn't go back. Yeah. Yeah. They, they said with strict, no drug policy, we found drugs in here. Thanks. See you later. But that wasn't your fault. Like, how can they pin that on you? That wasn't really, it's not like you did the drugs, but cause you're the promoter, I guess it falls on you. Exactly. I felt triple fucked because, you know, James Ellsworth ends up getting on the show. He's a total prick. I'm very thankful. His I'm not very thankful. Yeah. Um, Dude, he, when, whenever he, he made it, I honestly thought about leaving the wrestling business completely. So you knew exactly who, well, that's so crazy. So when you saw him on WWE TV, you're like, Jesus, this guy, like, how did this guy? make? Yeah, it but he, dude, he's always been a creep though. So whenever all that shit happened, him being a creep, I was like, yep, now the world knows the real fucking guy. He's a piece of shit. Dude, he has so many, so many, so much balls, like just saying, oh, I'm being, I'm going to get booked. You're like, he he's just shows up, put, putting on his gear, like, he just, dude, doesn't take no for an answer. So if he doesn't take no for an answer in business, imagine what he doesn't take no for an answer for in other situations in his life. You know what I mean? Bada bing, bada boom. And he was uh, at UCW at Undisputed Championship Wrestling. Uh, he was he would wait for one of the workers to go out and have their match. And while they were having their match, uh, James Ellsworth would uh, take the guy's girlfriend off and go do stuff with her. Wow. While that's... the guy was wrestling. Like a real sunny Chris Candido kind of situation. That's so, that's so fucked up. Ugly ass, no chin. James Ellsworth is banging uh, other wrestlers' girlfriends while while they're having matches. That guy uh, had I, no self respect. No, what? Uh, that's so crazy. How the fuck did this guy make it? That's why I want to know. I hope he never gets booked anywhere. Yeah, well, if you look on Twitter, people still talk about it all the time. Maryland Championship Wrestling recently used him, and they had to keep uh, deleting posts and stuff because people were talking about how how much of a piece of shit Ellsworth is. Well. 
He is. Sounds like it. And that was one of one of the last things uh, that really happened before I took an indefinite uh, walk away from the wrestling business. Yeah. So at the your end of uh, your time at SWA, were you uh, the champions or any at any point? Were you uh, tag champions? Yeah, we ended up winning the SWA tag titles on two different occasions, and at this same time, a different promotion, Victory Championship Wrestling. We were their tag champions, so I was, uh, and and I was a tag champion for two different companies at the same time. So that felt really cool. Yeah, that's cool. And this was with Ray Velasco, the coast to coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um we were trying our best uh, to. Well, I mean, he was kind of getting us kicked out of places and stuff, and he would no show some events too. So that's yeah, not a good look. Yeah. Uh, amongst other things, uh, I, I'm actually uh, me and Ray Velasco are not friends anymore to this day. Yeah, we won't get into for why. some reasons why. Yeah, I mean, we won't discuss it on the podcast. But I told yeah, you told me why, and it's pretty pretty messed up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, so at the very end of my uh, run here, it's about 2010. Uh, we're going to be cl- uh, kind of closing in on the podcast here. I was the SWA tag champion and the uh, booker approached me about doing an angle with the referee. (laughs) So they wanted the referee Lloyd Dolan to to get involved with an angle. Yeah. He was he a wrestler as well or what? No, no. Okay. That's weird. And he's kind of, he's got like body. He's a really big guy and he's short and he's he's not mentally handicapped but he has some kind of mental issue that affects his speech um he's actually he passed away oh Um, wow so rest in peace lloyd dolan as well but the promoter approached me and said we want you to uh have a non-title match against lloyd dolan and his partner and we want the finish to be Lloyd Dolan. This guy's about 280 pounds. Big, fat, sweaty guy. We want Lloyd Dolan to give you a stink face. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Did you say Did you say no or did you have to do it? I said, not only is that a hard no, but <laughs> oh yeah, the match is now a title match. And I am not requesting, but I'm telling you that we will be dropping the titles tonight. And I, this will be my last night with this company. Why the hell do they want to put you through that? And <laughs> it was the blind re, uh, leading the blind. There was no veterans on the roster. Really? There was no guidance. This was a very poorly ran promotion. Wow. So I was up- probably, but Mike, I was the most experienced guy on the roster. Oh, wow. That's not, that's saying a lot. Be nice. Be nice. Sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, so, this, this, this company was the shits. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I wasn't there. But okay, so like your your tag team champions for a couple promotions here at the end. Um, you end up losing both championships at some point. And what was what was like the deciding factor for saying, okay, it's time to take a break? Uh, you know, I'm not gonna do this for however long. I mean the weekends would come the Saturday would come for shows and I'd just be like, 
okay, no butterflies, no nothing. Just no let's go try not to get fucking hurt. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably not very fun because you, you're you dealing with people that just aren't trained very well is essentially what the problem uh, is. Some guys are straight from the yard, straight from the yard because they know somebody and now they're in the ring with me. That's uh that's a dangerous situation, though. Yeah. It really is. And I'm getting older. I'm getting more mature. I'm kind of realizing that I, I'm not getting any younger. And if I'm going to do this, I got to really give it a real shot. Yeah. So you lost, you lost your passion for you lost your smile of uh, essentially for, for a time. And keep in mind, this is only part one. There is a, the part two is the next episode where we're going to actually dive into the, the rest of your career. I should say the second half, but it's not over yet, but just the, the following years and, and what else transpires. But so I'm looking forward to hearing next week and uh, you know, what else happened and how you got back into it. Me too, man. Travis do four show episode three next week. Friday live at 7 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash the do for brand. We will be going into years 2012 to now the career of Travis Dufour. We really hope that you join us for that and follow us on all social media platforms at the do for brand. And I just, before I close things out, I want to thank everybody for giving this a shot and listening to it on Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Mike, any final words? No, I just want to say, you know, we kind of went on a roller coaster ride from, you know, people, you know, hurting you. You went through a couple of concussions at the very least, some injuries. Uh, there was even some deaths along the way. Uh, so yeah, that was just your first few years in the business. And I'm pretty excited to hear about, you know, what happens afterwards. Hell yeah. Can't wait for episode three. Thanks so much for tuning in.